Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Modern Wang Chat. And I'm trying to see are all my stuff working because my computer is being extremely, extremely slow. I am definitely due in time for a new computer. And you know, maybe I have too many software open up on my computer. I have um, Adobe Bridge and also Calculator. We all know how much Calculator use on my computer. Uh, anyway, we are on episode, what are we on? Let's check. We are on episode 44. We're gonna get to 50 very soon. And I'm thinking about if I should bring back some friends um, for episode 50. But until then, tonight we do have a chat from Hoku Props. Uh, he makes amazing, amazing cosplay prop, uh, but he also do a lot of uh, visual uh, effects. Uh, he does a lot of stuff in the 3D space kind of stuff. Um, I, I seen some of the stuff he he do on on stream as well too. Like I know he streams some of his you know 3D modeling and everything, and they look amazing. And I I, I always want to get into 3D modeling, but I am definitely not that great and uh got kind of lazy into that part. But maybe eventually I might incorporate that into my photos, especially my cosplay photos. Uh, but we'll see. But you know what? I'll I'll bring him on and I'll let him describe himself a little bit more. Um, let's see. All right, what's up, chat? How's it going, guys? It's going great. Like, how, how's everything on your end? Like, everything. What do you been, every... What do you do? Go ahead. Days? Ask. What do you uh, do, what do, I do these days? Yeah. Uh, so right now, I'm actually working on a project for the Make a Wish Foundation. I'm building a, a full suit of Arthas Lich King armor, and it's going to be 3D modeled and then 3D printed, and then at one point, I'll meet up with uh, the kid that's getting it. We'll size it to him, and then you know, kind of proceed from there. But that's that's really the the project that's currently on the table. I just finished another one for, it's an NDA project for a company, but hopefully that that one will come out soon. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Other than we that, do. though, surviving, right? Yeah, I think that's what we're all doing. I actually just got yeah. an email from uh, some news company or some kind of article. I don't know, but they they reached out to me because they know that I should cosplay. And they wanted to know, like, oh, how's the cosplay community or industry being impacted since, you know, the pandemic, you know, especially there's no convention going on anymore. <laughs> so right. they kind of wanted to know what's going on. And I think a lot of cosplayers have turned to streaming. I think a lot of people in general have turned to streaming, though. You know, it's, yeah. mm -hmm. it's not just something that I think people are doing to... Uh, to try and make sure that they're still staying relevant and visible, but it's also something that they're doing for themselves. It gives them an something opportunity to, to have, have communication, you know? Yeah. And, and that's something that's really hard. But if you can find a webcam, because I know it's hard right now, uh, I, I kind of suggest everybody get out and try it because, you know, for some people, it, it really does, it really does kind of provide a, a benefit to them. I think it works really well with gamers and cosplayer because most of them are introverts. And oh, sure. Yeah, and actually streaming is a very introverted activity, ironically and surprisingly, because <laughs> I'm an extrovert. I like seeing people. I like human interaction. And streaming is sure. so difficult for me because I yeah. feel like I'm talking into the void. Like streaming is a little bit better. You, making YouTube video mm -hmm. is such a horrible situation for me, but I do make them. But <laughs> it's just that. It's like I'm talking to like, the void and the blank and I'm like haha I can make a joke and there's no no laughs I'm like haha, all right okay tough crowd tough crowd 
So yeah, you know what though that that makes sense though. So I can imagine. Uh, I, I would say when I was younger, you know, I I've always I've always been pretty kind of just comfortable. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't against and I wasn't against communication and I wasn't introverted really, but I wasn't also very extroverted. Uh, but when when people were close to me, you know, my nickname growing up was Chatterbox. So so growing up, <laughs> I was actually like really overweight. Um, you know, so my my nickname was Chatterbox because my name's Chad. Right. Mm. I was square like a box and I talked a lot. So that's chatterbox. <laughs> so I feel like uh, growing, growing, you know, up and, and being the age I am now, it's it's just been an evolution of who I was as a kid. But I totally understand what you what you mean when you say that, like for people that are introverted, you know, I feel like there is probably far more of that inner monologue where you're constantly kind of talking to yourself. And there's there's probably a much more developed kind of process of that that internal monologue then let's say when you're extroverted because when you're extroverted you're always talking to other people you know mm -hmm. so I, I guess i could understand where you're coming from with that i don't I know maybe i'm both so comfortable for an extrovert i think it's the instant feedback and you can go back and forth kind of like a banter kind of situation oh, sure. that is what excites us but it's yeah, when it, yeah yeah stream so that's the thing too like uh i i do a lot of photo shoots and video shoots with streamer as well and, you right. know, at first I thought, well, they used to be in front of a camera. They should be very comfortable, but they're still not. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's like true. The, but yeah, it's it's also, though, you know, I would say one of the, the big benefits of streaming, though, if you're introverted, is the fact is it actually does help you develop some of those communication skills oh, yes. that you might not necessarily have had beforehand. And I think that you know, once you start developing those skills and as an introvert, whether it's a cosplayer or a streamer or whatever it is, you know, so often I think those those skills help open up opportunities for people in the future, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the thing about it is a lot of the people that are, are streaming, they're incredibly smart and they're, they're incredibly charismatic. And a lot of that is just a, a limitation because they don't know how to express that in a public environment. So I'm always really curious to see how people are after they've streamed several years and after they've really developed that confidence to be able to just talk, you know, it, it's definitely nice to see people be able to come out of their shell, you know? Mm -hmm. So who I, knows, maybe COVID's going to end. All of us are going to be such <laughs> shut-ins that the people that were extroverted are now going to be completely introverted. And the people that were introverted will just be like blossoming into beautiful butterflies, right? So see, we'll see I how that goes. I said this before and I was saying, comparing like, and it's not like I think it's normal, and I think it's acceptable, and it's supposed to be expected behavior. Because like, uh, as an extrovert, I don't feel fine, you know, being trapped inside. So that's fine because sure. that means I was an extrovert. So meaning this is a normal like. If I feel completely fine, that would be something wrong. But right, since yeah, I don't, it's a proper like response mechanism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm like, you know what? I I had a good run. You no, know, during my time of like this whole um coronavirus and you know, pandemic <laughs> or shelter in space, space in place. Right. I definitely do not have able to shine as bright, which is fine. I had my great time. So until sure, then sure. again, the introverts or like, you know, introvert, whatever they are, good. Ha take it while you still can. Enjoy it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I feel you there, man. You know, I will say there, there's one other thing that immediately comes to mind. And it's, it's actually, it came to mind because I was thinking about a video you posted recently about setting up lighting. Mm, and, yes. and one of the other major, major benefits, I would say, of streaming for, for people that are, you know, cave dwellers is the fact that they're being exposed to light. So, mm. so <laughs> you know, uh, 
it brings to mind like like sammy my fiance for example you know she loves the dark she she literally she's like a she calls herself a cave dweller or a vampire right and so the moment you have to stream of course you know like ideally you're gonna have at least some sort of light source so at least it's getting them to turn on the lines lights and get accustomed to that i don't know but fun stuff I have right? so many lights here like you already see a bunch behind me already but there's like four more lights in front of me and on top of I my do. head there's like also like more like bright lights to give me like a yeah rim light you'd, you'd get light. a kick you'd get a kick so I, I have it turned off right now but like like um We've got diffusers over over both windows. So in the morning, so I do a lot of streaming in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. But then Sammy does streaming in the evening. So I've got I've got diffusers that go over over both windows, and that's good. But at one point, I was like, I want to be able to have more lighting in case we're doing something that needs more light. So we got uh -huh. some of that diffusion silk and actually just draped it over like the entire bar of the uh, the recessed lights, uh -huh. and it's really great because it it's. It's like this light cloud on our ceiling. I love it. So, yeah. see, that's the thing. Like people, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, I can't stream because I don't have this equipment or that equipment, or like I don't have professional lighting or mic." It's a twenty-five dollar sheet, guys. <laughs> right? Like, there's you can always start somewhere and slowly upgrade if you want to. Like, there's no oh, yeah. excuse. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, what? What else? Like, I know people use uh, like wax paper. Wax paper is a great light diffuser if you've mm -hmm. literally just got like a little can light or something. So I don't know. You know what's make a good bouquet? Uh, I haven't done it with uh, life size human. Well, I feel like all humans life size, but uh, <laughs> I have done it with figuring before. Okay, I've done figuring sure. before where I do a photo shoot of it and then make a thick bouquet uh, background. But you don't need very much expensive lights. All you need is. Um, Aluminum foil. Oh, interesting. But I have never tried to make it for like a human background. So what I did is that you you can find it online too, but you crumble up uh, a aluminum foil and then mm -hmm. put it in the background and just shoot any kind of color lights on it. It will look like like really pretty bouquet. You know, those Is that just because it scatters the light so so yep. just randomly? Interesting. Yep, yeah, very random and how they reflect it. Do you use the reflective cool. side though, or do you use the the matte side of the, Ooh, the aluminum? Foil? I think I use it because the that'll offer you side. a completely different different maybe kind a of different a, look. Huh. Different look. Yeah, that's my next Sounds project. Like you gotta I want try to, it with your your next. I figure. know. I want to make a video on like, no, let's try it with like a uh, human life-size one sure, and do it at home. Sure. But nice. you know, you know, that's another thing though. Is I feel like this, uh, this, this interview is kind of going more towards just like random kind of communication or talking about streaming, but I like where it's going. I feel like people think that their camera is one of the most important things with streaming. And I actually disagree. I think and having sound. a good microphone is yeah. so much more important because I can sit here and be grainy and, and pixelated and look like crap. And as long as you still hear what I'm saying, it's it's you can understand me, right? Mm -hmm. But the moment I just sound like I'm a screeching, wailing banshee or something with all this background noise, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter how good this looks, I'm I'm gonna you won't be able to know what I'm saying. So that's I, that's I, the thing I always tell people is like start with a microphone. Get a decent I think it's because like the streaming idea that interaction is still very uh human interaction kind of style when it comes to streaming you know people would sometimes sure. want to comment they want to talk so it's more a talk kind of thing so sound of course the big factors of it and because oh, yeah. no matter how good your video is unless you're doing really really high level maybe even like sushi dragon or like some of the cooler kind of a uh, stream style people don't really mm -hmm. have to be like oh wow that's a really nice camera because right. once you get to a certain quality and even yeah. above that would be like people can't tell the difference both because you know you're streaming 
So that's limit sure. how much information is being shared, but also okay. uh, is like what, what you're gonna do. You're just sitting there talking. You're not like doing special effects. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not like watching. I mean, uh, so I know uh, with my streams, you know, I'm like you said, I'm doing, I'm working in ZBrush. I'm doing digital sculpting and whatnot, and so. So often, you know, my my camera is just this. I mean, here I'll pull it up. I, I look like this, right? Where I'm just like this tiny little little human in the corner, and so you can uh -huh. barely see what's going on, right? Uh, but also, this is uh, some of the armor I'm working on. But uh, yeah, so it's like for me, what you get ninety percent of for my stream visually is what I'm working on, whether that's working on props and stuff in real life. Although I actually don't do a whole lot of this because I don't feel like workshop kind of like streams are, are nearly as enjoyable Except for me for the, doing editing. yeah but like like me working in zbrush people are just like this is so relaxing <laughs> what is going on you know it's so it's and it's also fun for me to do because i can just whip stuff out so easily so it's it's definitely i i think if i had to pick one stream that we do that that's my favorite it's it's when we're working in zbrush but you know like we we do this thing called monster monday um and essentially, the chat will sit there and just dictate all of the random features of some random monster. And we just sculpt it live. <laughs> and at the end of that, you know, sometimes like we'll 3D print it and paint it and stuff like over a course of a couple of streams. But those are the funnest ones because they're really engaging with the chat and That's with awesome. the audience. So, yeah, it's fun. It's definitely so fun. For my version is that I have done editing stream before. There's two types. Uh, one is that... Uh, so relaxing kind. Uh, I did a bunch of them during April when April shower is happening because I love listening to the shower uh, outside, the rain. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm with up. you there. I, I love rain. It's <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's, it's so soothing. But uh, that's probably the Hawaiian side of me. I'm, I'm so used to it when we're out <laughs> the islands where it's just, it oh, rains yeah, it's every always day. rain randomly. Yeah, I remember every, when every I was out there day. too. Yeah. yeah, and I'll listen to some lo-fi and then while people were, let's just say, chime in or they come in they don't even have to say anything they will just maybe listen while they watch me edit sure. uh, and they like it uh, so again it's yeah. always sounds surprising too because they're like oh my god this is actually very calming and they just they're surprised i think they're used to gaming stream where everyone's like oh go 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 attack like, oh yeah everything's going on yeah you know what though that that that's actually that's actually one of the really interesting things that uh, differentiates like the creative streams from the gamer streams. If you if you were to look at kind of the analytics of the viewership, you know, their viewers, they have high, high viewer count. Right. But mm -hmm. it's so there's so much flux fluctuation. You know what I mean? Where people are joining and they're like, oh, look at the frags. But then they get bored really quickly. So they go find another stream. If mm -hmm. you were to look at the actual viewership base on like a, a fairly successful creative streamer or somebody who's doing something like IRL, oftentimes those streamers, their viewers are there for hours. They're there from, you know, the, the retention mm. rate on viewers is so, so high once they find somebody that meshes with them really well. And that's mm. something that's not, I think, as common with game streams. You know mm. what I mean? And, and so that's the other thing, though, is I feel like the individuals that are are in those creative streams they're the ones that are, are more receptive to like the chill streams you know what i mean and, and i think and because it's, it's enjoyable because it's less pressure on you and i and the viewers also like to connect with the streamer a little bit more through those kinds oh, of streams sure. like sure. a lot of viewers for gaming stream like the person maybe also because of the game and i have heard from many streamers once oh, yeah. they change to a different game they they drop viewership they lose them. oh yeah yeah oh, yeah so so it's very very different uh, but yeah, so, you know, and also this stream sometimes where I would like have people send in photos and I'll edit it, edit their photos for them, show them how to do so it. That's, that's cool. 
Yeah, that's yeah. easy to do and fun. Yeah. yeah, that's super cool. I've I've done a couple of things like that where where I'll just be in stream. Someone's like, "Hey, I'm having a problem with a 3D model," and I was like, "Just send it to me. Just hop on Discord, <laughs> send it my way. So I'll open it up." And then it's like, okay, and just like, do, 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 do. you know, I kind of like, I love to be able to help people solve their problems. But mm -hmm. what's so fun, you know, whether it's it's on like a live panel, the the thing about it. So so I've done like. I've done panels where I do the exact same thing. Like I've done Monster Monday live at, at mm. conventions before at like Holiday Matsuri. I did it and it's super entertaining because the process is absolutely the same thing. The only difference is rather than my interface or my medium being, you know, OBS or Twitch chat, it's just people asking questions in real life. You mm. know what I mean? <laughs> it's really, really, really fun. And, and so the thing about it is just being able to, you know, once again, just being able to take the process that that we can do uh, on a medium like like OBS. Think about it. In addition to that, though, that goes to show that that practicing and doing stuff in Twitch really can correlate, though, with with real life. You know, when we're talking about like introverts and extroverts, these are skills that if you're developing them and you're developing like a process, you know, think about like how critical role works and how successful that is and how people oh, so, love yeah. seeing like live critical role now you know what i mean being able to take a a, a process or, or some sort of form of entertainment that exists in a digital realm but translates into a a visible physical you know viewable thing it's really cool and i think so, with the pandemic we're all trying to figure out how to do that and we're slowly oh, getting sure. better at it too and i think oh, sure. like with streaming is much more of a uh, frontier like a pioneer of figuring that out we have all this company oh, yeah. that have to force to do online now and they're doing oh, yeah. very, very slowly to figure out oh, what yeah. does that mean and how yeah. does that work? Yeah. You know, my my brother, uh, my brother's a, a professor and he he hit me up right when all this started. And he's just like, hey, you know, I they want to do like online stuff or and, and so he was kind of making proposals to them like, hey, maybe I, we can try as as, you know, educators, those that are more tech savvy is let's make some videos and let's see if we can use that as a, a, a medium to kind of instruct the, the the kids so you know a lot of people will have heard of like blackboard or whatnot which is a, a mm. commonly used like portal for schools and so uh i was like check out obs check out this <laughs> check out that set up your scenes get it set up so you've got organization be able to you know really show what's going on based off of the class that you're in and the needs that are required for that and that's mm -hmm. what's so unique though about about like the streaming format and he ended up making youtube video dude he did like it was like three YouTube videos a day for his classes. Jeez. And, and he knocked him out. He learned Premiere. And I was just like, man, maybe I can get him to edit some of my videos. But <laughs> it was so it was so interesting. I actually so so we sent we had, you know, I have my whole streaming setup, but then Sammy used to have her whole streaming setup and and both of our our, our setups were were relatively nice. And so we ended up sending Sammy's uh stuff, you know, I gave it to him to use. And so the quality on all this stuff is great but i'm like man think about it like we as streamers are so prepared for the isolation mm -hmm. if if we take advantage of it you know and i will say most of us at least a lot of us we definitely have the time to experiment and learn a lot of these new things so it's it's definitely a good time for people to be learning new skills that's for sure yeah and i'm that's what i'm trying to do like always pushing myself to try new things and make new things like I, I'm attacking the YouTube space as well now. Uh, still kind of mm -hmm. new to it, but not that great at it. But I'm working on it. Uh, but the good thing is that I don't have to edit my video. I, I have a company right. service that I hire that 
edit all my videos for me so I can focus on doing yeah. what I do. Good. So yeah, what do you what do you do? Do you just record it and kind of give like cliff notes of what you want the video to kind of be about? Oh, it's and great. Then they, mean, yeah. they just you upload it and then they they just download like so, how big are your files that you're uploading huge. are you actually re-encoding it first oh no so no wonder huge. so the, <laughs> when the you're best... like my internet being dumb it's because you're uploading raw <laughs> files what do you what what file format are you recording these videos in so it depends on what type of files right sometimes i even record on my phone directly but they're 4k so they're huge sure yeah, sure, uh, sure, sure. But you're not yeah. sending like ProRes format. No, files, no, right? no, 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 no. Okay, no, cool. Still MOV. At least, you know? at least yeah. they have that that saving grace. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know even if they can handle you know, ProRes. Huh. Right, right. Oh man, that's no, funny. The, the new cameras, like uh, all of those coming out, are shooting in ProRes. Yeah, and, like everything, and it's just like, I, man, yeah. a a five minute video could be like you know talking about like hundreds of hundreds of gigabytes and terabytes we're talking oh man like some of these some of these like if you're shooting ProRes at like 4k dude that's that's like a terabyte a minute <laughs> yep that's just mm -hmm. giant who needs that Do i don't you know need the that. uh slow-mo guy um oh sure gavin yeah oh yeah they, when they shoot slow-mo they literally have to put a hard drive because they can only record like 30 seconds of it anything more actually actually when they shoot they're not recording to a hard drive they're recording to ram <laughs> Yeah, it's temporary. It's yep, straight exactly. up. Yeah, it's straight up RAM. Then they have because, to decide if to go to the hard drive or not. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's all it's all saved in a cache, like mm -hmm. in real time, and then it takes like an hour to download and transfer to a physical storage drive. It's mm -hmm. crazy how that stuff yep. works. Yeah, I try to yeah, skip all the part, but yeah, cool, it's, it's a lot. Yeah, it's cool how they oh, did yeah. it and how they're doing it. And man, See, that's the but problem then, though with technology. Technology is just <laughs> cool. <laughs> But that's the thing, like with my video service, it's great. I literally just um record whatever the whatever the F I want and I just send it to her, uh, you know, my editor, and then they just process yeah. it. It's a company service that's actually pretty awesome. good. It's like five hundred bucks a month and they edit as much as I need. Literally. It's I mean not like as long as you're thing. recording videos and you're 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 getting them up, then that's what matters. It's the yeah. it's the one month where you just are like, I'm done. That is what's gonna hurt. You know what <laughs> yep. I mean? Mm -hmm. so but that's that's cool man i'm doing consistently right now hopefully and yeah. i'm kind of like it's good because i still have the uh, artist artist guilt kind of thing if i don't do something i feel like i'm not doing something so like yeah. i always have to come up with new idea new concept like tomorrow i oh, think yeah. i'm shooting a um, pokemon photo shoot and i want like, a behind the scene <laughs> video about it oh, fun. um my friend got her got his girlfriend uh this giant uh pokemon uh plushie uh -huh. Oh uh, sure, yeah. Mareep, I think, but it's like a life size. So if you're vertically, I've got like, no idea. Up. I'm I'm like a red and blue with a little bit of gold Pokemon in there, oh, yeah. and then I stopped. You I think was it's like, that's I am that for you. I am I, not doing this. for me. I play Pokemon in Japanese, and I don't even speak Japanese. Because <laughs> that was what available for me at that time, and I read like the first four Harry Potter in Chinese. Only the last three oh, like, in goodness. English. So you know how confusing that could be with all the names and everything? So like with Pokemon, yeah. I'm like, yeah, the one that looks like a sheep. Okay, that's as far as I'll go. I don't know what it is, but you know. I don't oh, like dude, Pikachu that's like, that's and whatever. Like, yeah, that's like Sammy. She, uh, she's got like a, a region unlocked PSP or whatever from Japan. And she has mm -hmm. this game called ikimen sengoku it's it's a uh, like a it's one of those otome games but okay. it's all in Jap japanese there's no <laughs> translations or anything and so what she does is she'll hold her phone with google translate <laughs> over it and then like kind of read what it's saying but like i'll be sitting there and she'll just like start giggling and i'm like what's going on and she's like 
she's like, oh, I'm dating my samurai boys and, and whatnot. <laughs> and it's it's like really funny because I don't even know if she understands the full conversation that's taking place, but it's enough. But that's just another example of how how amazing uh, technology you know, like is. Google Translate. Have you done like the live camera Google yes. Translate before? I did that it's when I was crazy. in Europe too. And then the people yeah. there were surprised because I was reading the manual. We, we all went out to get food and then they were surprised how I understand it. It's like, well, because of this, you know, I'm using the phone. And yeah. Although I will translate. say, you know, sometimes like when you use it on like, like, like Chinese to English translation, it makes no sense. <laughs> like it's yeah. English words, but what? what <laughs> there's this thing in uh i watched a video about this like how hard is to learn a language it depends on like how far separation there's like three to four regions kind of separations oh sure like if still sure. like uh ro romanized kind of word like english anything that use alphabet that's one section but like oh, stuff yeah. like you know, chinese japanese korean they oh like, yeah complete difference like at least japanese well, and korean still a little bit english you know they use letter to uh, alphabet sure sure yeah there's no alphabet in oh, chinese yeah. It's completely characters. So, so I studied Japanese in in college, and I feel like I've retained some of it. You know, I, I can I can I can sound like a kindergartner, right? <laughs> but the thing that was was so nice for it is because you've got you know both hiragana and katakana. At least with like katakana, mm -hmm. you have the kind of translation a bit of different uh, English words, like the phonetically mm -hmm. at least. Yeah, and so like. Some things actually are just American words, and you're like, oh, yeah. I know what they're talking about, right? You know, like <laughs> like, like Donato, though, right? Like McDonald's, so yeah, it's stuff like that where you're like, oh, that's nice. But man, sometimes I have no idea what I'm like reading or talking about, and and it only so so I can only imagine it's it's even more difficult with Chinese because you have Wait, so yeah. many characters, so many, and There's, no alphabet. Holy moly, man. Like you can't even sound it, sound it out. You cannot look at the word and say like, "Let me guess what it say." You can't. If either you know the <laughs> word or you don't, it's one of the two. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 And it's all memorization, but it's great. It's like when I went to Japan with uh, Mac Turney, um, mm -hmm. no, we she's no uh, Japanese and I know Chinese. So combined, <laughs> we can read everything. But <laughs> yeah, you guys are covered. That's yeah. good. But it's funny because when I went there, they always like the server. They will all talk to me first. Yeah, but uh -huh. like, cause like I look Asian, so they always gonna speak to me first, and uh -huh. I'm like I I I I don't speak Japanese, and they would talk, then she would speak, and they would talk to her, but then they always come back and talk to me first. And I'm like, no, 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 not me. This girl, this white girl, she's the one that speak Japanese, not me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you just you need yeah 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 <laughs> yeah no <laughs> yeah um. Have you seen this one Google ads? That's from a long time ago and just definitely sidetracked, but it's very cute. And I, I applaud them for the marketing job. It's a, it's a short video. It's all on, uh, it's just like a screencast, like a screen recording of just google.com. And you can tell the journey of this guy who met this girl, but they don't speak the same language. But then she's, uh, he, he keeps using different translation tool in Google to try to figure uh -huh. out you know, how to date her, how to talk. And eventually you can tell him buying a flight ticket and went out to meet her. It's like a 30 second yeah. ad, but it was amazing. I've not seen it. I've not seen it, but it yeah. definitely sounds adorable. I'll link it to you later. I'll find it. I'll link it to please, you. Please do, yeah. for sure. For sure. I feel like we haven't even got a chance to talk more about us, especially you. I'm, I mean, I'm kind of an open this is book. Great. Hi, guys. I'm Chad Hoku. <laughs> I'm a prop maker. I do 3D modeling for half of my living. Uh, let's see. I do a lot of uh, prototype 
So like if somebody has some grand idea that they want kind of a physical representation of what that is, uh, we, we get hired to do the engineering and, and prototyping of that. And let's see what else. I do a lot of work for game companies how, doing props and all that. So how yeah. did you get to this part of your life? Because before this, you were not making props, right? Um, this point referring into like what timeline? Doing, that doing was kind of a making. big question. Oh, like, for example, because so, like, you got uh, you got injured from from that uh, was a pressure casting chamber. Well, I was doing props since uh, since about 2011. You know, so hmm. so I I had started making props. I let's actually back up. So I went to school for 3D modeling and animation. I wanted to work in video games. You know, uh, growing up, my dad, he was a craftsman, really, uh, the truest sense of the word. He was a carpenter, and then he was a contractor, and then he was a painting contractor. And then, you know, so I grew up, though, being on job sites, learning about all of the different fabrication techniques that he used, including, though, he did tons and tons of, like, hot rods and, and tons of, like, muscle cars and stuff. And hmm. so I learned specifically doing work with plastics and composites, Bondo, fiberglass, all of that kind of stuff, you know, working with lacquer paints and then urethane paints, which were awesome. And then now it's so funny. I don't even use a lot of that. I use like water-based paints, right? Mm -hmm. But so I learned the crafting skills really from a young age and, and it's really a part of who I am, but I'm also a huge nerd, right? So it was like, I loved video games. I loved, you know, everything about it so i was like i want to go and i want to i want to make video games for a living so i went to a place called the well i went to community college and uh my community college professor who was teaching us like maya and stuff he was like you know you're pretty good at this stuff you should consider going to a, a higher level of education for it and so i found this place called noman school of visual effects and noman's in hollywood it's an amazing school most of the professors there are literally active um artists in the industry and that's one of the things that i think is so beneficial about places like noman is when you've got educators and you've got professors that worked in an industry but they've essentially completely stepped out of that role and now they're just teaching the theoretical that knowledge is all predicated on the time when they worked in in their industry right mm -hmm. and you and i both know that industries are always always evolving and so evolving really what fast. they're teaching exactly really what they're teaching is old news it's mm -hmm. it's it's outdated it's not really relevant anymore and obviously there's there's a lot of the kind of just core essential instruction that's required but, yeah exactly yeah. the principle but there's some really really modern relevant kind of information that's not being imparted on the students and that's what i liked so much about nomen it's like my professors were artists that literally like like when i was going there it was right when avatar the movie had just come out right we're talking the blue ones, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. We all need to adjust <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're talking the blue ones. But suffice to say, visually, that movie is incredible. It's stunning, right? Mm -hmm. Like three of the professors or four of the professors that were at Noman at the time literally were like lead artists on the movie. You know what I mean? So it's mm -hmm. like they know exactly what's being utilized in real time. They're sitting there, you know, we're in class and they're telling us about this brand new system that was developed. So when James Cameron was actually filming the screen, you know, they were doing tons of motion capture, but they he actually had a camera with a, an, a monitor that in real time did a primitive version of the entire world, including Crazy. the actors. The actors would be represented with their actual models of, of their, their Navi, right? And that it's like not he's be able possible. to actually... Okay. 
right. That's that's the thing is like, think about it. Here's this director who's normally accustomed to working by, you know, looking through a camera or seeing a monitor on a live action style film. Mm -hmm. But because this whole thing is done in 3D, how do you really how do you really get a, a, a full realization or representation of what's going on with the visual effects at the end? Mm -hmm. especially when it's a full CG movie like Avatar was, right? Mm -hmm. And so what world. he's able to do is just look through this monitor in real time. He's essentially just filming a real movie that's live action, you know what I mean? Or as close, I think, as could be possible at that time. And he and was so saying, having professors... Sorry, go ahead. No, and he was saying he couldn't make that movie before it's because the technology wasn't there. Like, yeah, the vision. They, they developed that technology literally for that movie. But mm -hmm. but that's the thing is having a professor that's sitting there and he's imparting this current, you know, development with us. So we're understanding not just where the 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 kind of industry is coming from, but also where it's going. I think that's preparing us far, far, far better to be ready to enter into the industry because we know what's going to be expected of us. And mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that's so, so difficult oftentimes with education nowadays is the fact that students are really just kind of thrown to the wolves. They don't actually know what they're getting into. You know, uh, mm -hmm. so often education is theoretical based and it's like, you've got, let's, 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 let's talk about like a mechanical engineer, right? Mm -hmm. So the mechanical engineers at the school that I went to and got my degree at UC Riverside, it's a theory based education, right? And so they're teaching the theoretical to all these students, but it's not really until the very end when they're doing like their senior design projects that they actually get to use a mill. They actually get to use machining equipment and stuff. And so it's like, how are you supposed to be a designer if you don't actually know how to work with heavy machining equipment? Mm -hmm. And and so it's great to have that theoretical knowledge, but there's definitely a tremendous amount of hands-on just experience that I think is not not really being taught. So even more so, I'm curious how that's that's affecting our our society because you still have kids that are going to school, right? Mm -hmm. But they're not actually able to go to school now. So the distance yeah. learning thing, I think, might actually make um, you know hands-on skills even more more difficult to find in in our students. So what's sorry, the word for it? Yeah. What's the word for it for like a school that is not traditional? Uh, it's like a skill kind of work. It's a craft Absolutely. school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. how how they work now with like all the pandemic going on? Must be I'm tricky. Assuming they don't. I'm assuming <laughs> they don't. Yeah. Like like all of the auto tech schools and whatnot. I don't even know mm -hmm. how they're they're functioning. So. And I mean, even again, would, I mean, maybe they'll there's, maybe they'll finally push VR. Don't care. Maybe you VR know, AR is finally a thing. Though. That that's definitely an interesting thing, though. But you know, they they have used VR for certain certain industries and certain uh, schooling, like like the medical industry. Mm -hmm. Doctors have been using VR to kind of get just a, a simulation of what that process is like for a long time now. And and I can imagine that the exact same skills and the exact same techniques could be used to impart at least a representation of what that hands-on experience is going to But we never had the be. we never had the situation where we forced that we have to use this because there's no another way, you know. Sure, sure. I'm sure like in during back then normal time we could be like, "Oh yeah, you know what? We that VR whatever just come come in, we'll help teach you how to fix this car," you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh they're yeah. not going to force you to have to do VR because there's no there's no reason for it. So much faster too to go just go to the yeah. shop. We'll show you how to, you know, turn this knob. Yeah. But now you have no other options. Maybe then you'll be like, right. oh, maybe now is the time to actually push it. I don't know. See, we'll I see. agree. I agree. I agree for in the past, it was definitely, 
it was definitely faster to do that. But I think we're going to reach the point, you know, think about like, um, what is it? The Oculus Quest. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know it's not the best VR out there, but the actual capabilities that it has for being this mobile wireless, wireless unit experience. that mm -hmm. doesn't even require a, a, a computer. I think about the systems like that and how they're going to develop over the next, you know, three or four years mm -hmm. and what's going to be possible in that same form factor, if oh, not definitely. even smaller, it's gonna be smaller right? faster, and then it's lighter. not going to be easier, you know, then it's, then it's <laughs> going to be far easier to sit on your couch and sit there and, and have this, you know, simulation of what you're doing. You mm -hmm. know, I've got, I've got a VR headset, I have the valve index and it's one of the coolest functionalities of it is the fact that the, they call them the knuckles, the knuckles have finger tracking, right? So you mm. actually, when you close each finger, you've got, you know, individual motion tracking of these fingers. I, I don't know if it's a pressure sensor or what it's going on there, but it uh -huh. works incredibly well, right? But Great now graphics. what we're getting is the, the tactile ability to reach out and grab something. Now what we need is the feedback. Have you know what I mean? That's, mm -hmm. Exactly. Once we get the feedback figured out and people are actually getting like a really good simulation or representation of that feedback, it's going to be super interesting, you know? I wish I could I'm, wait I'm for excited. us to tell, like, let's say this is where Ready Player One is and this where nothing VR right. before. I want to see where we are on that scale. Like, are we closer to this end now or are we still like closer to this end, you know? Like I think we each I think you. we're right in between right now. I think we're right in between. We're getting closer. I think we're definitely getting there, right? Yeah. Have you I mean, have you been doing any VR stuff uh with the with yes the pandemic? And no. So uh <laughs> I have done it before the pandemic. I was I, I got this three stuck in my backpack. I have this 360 camera that allows me to uh -huh. record things 360. So I went to a few conventions shooting everything in 360. Again, lots of files is... I also showed it to my editor and they edited it for me too. Oh, poor editor. There you go, you should. <laughs> you just, uh, but, she's going to get it and have no idea. She's like, what the heck is this? Oh, I gave her extra days to like, hey, take your time, figure this out, see if you understand what it is. If not, talk to me. We'll, we'll see how this works. But sure. I was, you know... Um, it's great because uh, I did a few photo shoot with it too, so people can see how the photo shoot was done, how the model is, you know, being there, and how I am, you know, over here. Oh yeah. Uh, and if you wear a VR headset to watch the YouTube video, you can actually turn around, look at the environment, and oh, yeah. see how it is. Yeah. I think it's yeah. really helpful for like people who are actually trying to learn photography as well. You know, when it's funny that you're talking about that because I think that's actually um, this is not VR related, but the process is related and and that's having a visible kind of representation you know we keep talking about that like visible representations of mm -hmm. of what people are going to be getting in the in the finished product and so one of the uh, the major benefits for me in working in 3D i would say this is something that differentiates me from a lot of the other prop makers right Mm -hmm. So when I get approached by a company and they're like, hey, I, I we're interested in getting something made. Can you submit a bid? Can you do this? Blah, 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 blah. Right. So for me, what I can do is actually have like this live kind of conversation with them and they can they can remote in and, and I can screen share. And this is something I did far before the pandemic started. But I can sit there and ZBrush, right? And just in real time, sit there and start sculpting and doodling and, and building forms that mm. once they're actually once they have this visible representation of what they're they're asking for. It's, this is especially so with people that want like prototypes made, right? Mm -hmm. The moment they start seeing what's in their head starting to be made, even if it's in a digital format, they're hooked. They're just like, yes. oh my God, that's what I want. Yes, let's do it. Okay, where's where do I send the money to? And that's, hook you prop, that's I'm going to hook you in. <laughs> right, there you go, right? 
but it's 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 something that I think is just another really good example about like like the utilization of technology and and how it really does kind of help in a mm -hmm. business environment if you use it right, um, even if it's something that's like art related, you know, or cosplay related. I, I've used the same exact process has helped me at land quite a few jobs with different game companies, and so. It's also really beneficial, though, for for the refinement process where, you know, um, I think if I had to say, like working with Japanese countries, they have far, 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 far strict expectations oh, and, yeah. and, and an idea of what they want in the finished product. Right. And so for me, being able to get somebody from like one of their art teams to be able to sit there and and nav help me navigate what that that, you know, finished product is supposed to look like that definitely helps. And so they can help with the refinement. And the other thing though, is since they've kind of signed off on it and, and seen it in real kind of real time, mm -hmm. it means that when they get the product, oftentimes they're far more relaxed because they have this idea of what they're getting. So they're not critiquing it nearly as harshly. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's always yeah. what scares me is just like the, the last thing I want to do is make a prop and give it to somebody you know, whether it's just like an, an individual or or a company, last thing I want to do is give them something and then not be happy with it. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, because then that just kind of breaks my heart. I, I put a lot into my work. And so that's I guess in, in a way I'm kind of covering my own butt by by doing it in this process as well. Or at least maybe what I should say is there's far <laughs> more uh, assurance. Yeah. Uh, there's there's. I have a, a larger safety net or a margin of error uh, by being able to use the processes that I do. Maybe mm -hmm. that's why I've developed <laughs> to the point I have with what I do. So because you show always... them, just say, "Hey, that's you said okay on this. You don't who said yes. That's how it looks like." I can't, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can't ever do that. You can't be like, "You said this was okay." You just be like, "Oh, I'm I'm sorry that this is different <laughs> than what it looks." Because the moment you say they're wrong, and this is anybody, it doesn't matter what. <laughs> oh, of what, course, you of course, know, you won't actually say that. From, right? <laughs> the moment you're like, you're like, but you said it was okay. Then they're like what else didn't you do right right and then they just start picking <laughs> it apart right people are forgiving right but only within a certain margin and the moment you piss them off they're just vindictive you know yeah and that's that's another thing though is like man that's just people and as a whole you know we were talking a little bit about about people and and feelings and all that stuff and and that's something that comes to mind for me is just uh I feel like you and I, we do well when we talk about like business related topics. And I marketing love We're both really stuff, yeah. interested into it. Right. So, so yeah. another, uh, kind of another facet of the Hoku props, uh, Chad of Hoku props, uh, is the fact that I, I, you know, when I said I went to UC Riverside, I went to UC Riverside for business. I got a degree in arts management business, uh, <laughs> and, but I also did a tremendous amount of like economics classes Yay. as well. So, like I'm like a couple classes away from a degree in economics as well. But it's all fascinating to me because, you know, studying resource allocation, essentially, you know, mm -hmm. how do my decisions on how I spend my money or my resources, time, whatever it is, how is that benefiting me? And, and that's a so, cool thing uh, about econ classes. Like I was uh, double major in economics and international world trade. So I'm a business oh, yeah. person and I worked in so, Silicon Valley before this. Yeah. So again, it's not really about like how does no, the oh, international yeah, so economic work. In a pod. <laughs> yeah, it's to figure out how, really? like, how does that things become efficient, and like, what do people want? Like, what kind of incentive? Everybody like, thinks yeah. economics is math, though, and it's really it's not. not. You know, it's like, what uh, want. so, 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 everybody's heard of Socrates, and one of Socrates, one of my favorite quotes from him. And this, remember, I told you, I was like, we're gonna shut up before we started this. <laughs> my favorite quote is from Socrates, and he's, uh, it's something along the lines of, "Without self-examination, there is no improvement." And what he's saying is. 
look at the mistakes that you're making. Mm-hmm. All of these mistakes, it's all resource allocation. It's all time. It's all money. It's all energy, whether that's physical or mental, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at where your mistake or where your resource allocation was good and you focus on trying to repeat that success, you're going to do better. But if you're mm-hmm. not willing to look at your mistakes, then you're just going to be going blind and and you're never going to you're never going to be maximizing the chance of success, right? Mm-hmm. So what I was uh what I was trying to get at is just I think that oftentimes we're we're kind of in this position where we uh we're a bit fragile and we're we're not really willing to take, you know, crit- criticism and and the thing about it is obviously don't just ask anybody for criticism. <laughs> ask somebody who you're going to actually value the criticism from because otherwise mm-hmm. you're just going to get pissed, right? Yep. But like like who's somebody that Adam Savage, I'm a huge fan of Adam Savage, right? He's this amazing, wonderful crafter. He's this person in the world that that we all should admire, right? I would go to him any day and be like, please tell me everything you think I'm doing wrong. And I would mm. listen. I, I would <laughs> respect every single thing he said, right? But if I were to go to some random person and they just laid into me, I would feel attacked, right? And I think that's the thing is our society, we're looking for reassurance so often from people. that it's really chamber. Don't chamber. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it, though, is when we're constantly looking for reassurance from people, there's always a good chance that the reassurance that we're going to be getting isn't actually what we want. Mm-hmm. But what is the person's credentials who's actually giving us that re- you know reassurance or that criticism? It's like, go to people who can genuinely help you and there's a chance that you're going to grow from it. But if you're just asking everybody to make you feel better, you never know what you're going to get. Oh, no. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the problem with social media. Like, I hate it when people. So, <laughs> here's my problem. Social and this media is like, terrifying. Oh, man. So, like, for example, like, um, a lot of us are, cons- I would consider us a small business, right? Like we're one oh, sure. man or two people or few people business. We're small, but essentially. If, if your tax return was mostly 1099s like mine, mm-hmm. then you are in fact a small business. Exactly. <laughs> and here's the thing, you know, if you're a small business, you, you push out a product and then, you know, if your customers say that, oh, I like this better, I like that better, that should be sure. acceptable. But the problem is that when people on the internet say, oh, I actually would like this better. And they're like, oh, who asked you? I'm like, but you are a business. If Apple come up with an iPhone that people don't like, people will shit on it all day. But no one's going to oh, be yeah. like, oh, you can't shit on Apple because like, who asked you? Like, no. I mean, you should be able to apply what someone go to a big company to a smaller scale to someone a small business. Oh, which yeah. is criticism, you know? And how can people attract more customers that way as a business, you know? But I don't think people take that very well. Oh, yeah, definitely not. But you know, the thing, though, is like you bring up Apple. And the thing about it is when you're at that level, and this is something a lot of people might not realize, is when you're the scale of a company like Apple or Microsoft or any of them, right? Mm-hmm. Any press is still technically good press. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because you're visible. People are going to look up your products and there's going to be and, and, and your major goal is to have a strong enough brand loyalty where you've got people that are going to actually represent you and say, no, this isn't the case, blah, 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 blah. Right. And then so now you're having that 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 conversation is happening. And the moment that happens, that conversation that directly correlates with sales. Mm-hmm. It really, really does, because people are going to be like, all right, whether it's good or bad, like how many people on YouTube go by sh- can I swear on this? No, yeah, sorry, you can share. You can say whatever. Okay, how many people are gonna go buy shit products just so they can go on YouTube and review and just demolish them? 
plenty of people. Mm. It's still a sale, though, right? So but it's like thing, you also get new people it, who didn't even know. I about don't the benefit product. from that, you know. Mm-hmm. People, people shitting on on like like my props <laughs> or something. Like I would just be like, oh god, I'm I'm horrified from the thought of it. Right? I want everyone to be happy. But but, but that's influencer the thing is, do have do have that ba- uh, benefit as well. Yes, Every time do. a big influencer get canceled, they get more popular because you get oh, all yeah. these people who didn't know who they were. Or like who who is this Logan Paul person? They look it up. It's like oh okay, <laughs> of course you're gonna get half new people who hate him, but you might get half the new people. It's like actually his stuff's pretty funny. I want him. Oh sure. And he oh, has sure. of course the same thing. The loyalty fan, you know, like Apple fanboy. Dude, that's the that's the trap of algorithms, though. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Sammy, Sammy's a big fan of uh, Sammy and I both really we're we're both big fans of Philip DeFranco now she mm-hmm. kind of like got me onto him and he was talking the other day about the uh, the dangers of algorithms and and how it affects actually um, kind of the our, our older like our parents generation far more negatively than it then it probably does us because we understand a little bit more, better. But it's like every time you and I go and we talk about randomly and we go on Facebook and then something pops up that we're talking about, we're like, Facebook is listening, right? Our <laughs> parents don't realize that. They instead mm-hmm. are like, oh my God, this is exactly what I wanted. And then they <laughs> click, you know, there's your clickbait. And there's that, there's that lack of kind of comprehension, the fact that it's actually tailor designed to to respond to your searches and to build and and mm-hmm. populate your search based off of you know your past search history. So it's like when you look into a like a conspiracy theory, for example. Oh, How, I don't yeah. know about your parents, but like I I have a parent uh, who is goes can can has fallen into the trap before, and luckily I've had mm-hmm. a chance to sit and talk to him and kind of like try and educate him with with why it's it's happening the way it is but it's like you know imagine a parent sits there and they're like is there actually some like earthquake machine under the antarctic right and they search it one time but then all of a sudden (laughs) there's a second one but they click that one too and then now there's 27 of them and then it's an exponential growth on that response and they're like there would not be five hundred thousand results on this one topic if it wasn't real and that's the trap whether it's politics or religion or whatever it is is algorithms are a terrifying thing and an incredible thing at the same time yeah exactly like i worked in silicon valley the idea of algorithm is to give you things that you supposedly wanted you know sure it doesn't know it's good or bad it's just like oh you like this it has no we'll give you more of that exactly it's based on your behavior you know like it's same as eating right it's like let's say you eat some junk food it's bad for you but then the world thing like oh that's what you wanted we're going to give you nothing but junk food because that's what you asked for in the first place yeah and then all of the healthy food all the healthy food, though, just because of the way that the, the actual algorithms work, get mm-hmm. filtered out because it's not relevant to your search. Yep. It's and you can all, only, oh just like food, you can only consume so much per, in a single day. So let's say right. you're on the internet for three hours. If you fill right, three hours right. of junk food, it's just all going to be junk food and nothing else. Yeah. Because you cannot yeah. spend more time. You can't be like, oh, yes, I might be eating more junk food, but I'm still spending another three hours eating healthy food. That doesn't work like that. You, you only have so no. much uh, no, ca- ca- no. capacity exactly. to intake all of this. But yeah, yeah no. Uh, what's his name? Um, uh, this late night show. He actually did an episode this weekend on John Oliver, uh, John Oliver yeah, about conspiracy yeah. theory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, cool uh, we, like, we, we like John Oliver too. He's, he's definitely he's entertaining. Maybe because he's also <laughs> British, you know, like I'm from a different country. So I also see things in a different perspective, you know. 
You know, one of one of the uh, one of the things that I am most grateful for with, and this is really a lot because of the cosplay community. I'm I'm so grateful for the fact that I've had the opportunity to go to several other countries over the years, mm. you know, for judging contests and stuff. But I really having that exposure to other cultures and having exposure to how different governments handle their the running of the countries and seeing how other people do it, having that that diversification of 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 really my comprehension, it's so beneficial. And I think that's one of the things that's so kind of just it's 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 sad that more people don't have that opportunity and that's that's why i kind of encourage anybody except for right now please stay home um, <laughs> travel more you know I had to do that right and, you know wear a mask uh but everybody really should try and travel at least a little bit because mm -hmm. it it definitely gives you a, a a much wider broader kind of just idea of how the world works you know it, just because we do something one way here in america doesn't mean that it's actually how it has to be done. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, I don't think, realize that, you know? Yeah. They really don't. Oh, yeah. No, 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 they don't. Like, here's the thing here. Like, uh, let's talk about cosplay world, right? There's many things I can talk about it. I can talk about it for days. Yeah, let's act <laughs> about cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> like, here's the thing. Like, let's, okay, there's two things, right? Before I forget, one is about Japan. The other is about um, industrialization of cosplay. I feel like oh, America, sure. like I have compared to many countries and I talk to photographers, cosplayers all around the world. And same as you, you know, I've been a cosplay judge or a guest in different, luckily, you know, allow me to go to different parts of the world to learn yeah. about it and to experience cosplay in different country, different region. And USA is still the most, as, a, as an industry wise, it's the most progressive one, most advanced one. The other country sure. has it, but they're like at least five years behind when it comes to industrialization, like a sustainable right. business for people. Um, right, right. Fortunately or unfortunately, you know, we had to do a lot of it through sexualization because it's sex oh, sales. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, I want to ask you later about that too, like how you feel about it since you're on the prop side and more the le less on the sexualization part. Like I feel like, but if we didn't do that, we'll never get to where we are, like for cosplay as an industry. So I'm glad. So maybe eventually we'll go back to the points that like, oh, we can also as well as appreciate the craftsmanship of it as well. Because we had sure, that for a sure. really long time sure. uh, because we're limited with resources, limited with by the internet. So things are very cool. Like people always love the Russian cosplay stuff, right? Like Russian, oh, yeah. they're like, oh, amazing cosplay, amazing photos, location, props. People really admire it, but yet they don't do it here. It's not because we cannot, it's just because business you know if you're a cosplayer mm -hmm. who want to make a living on cosplay it would not make sense for you to spend more money to more time to work on a really elaborate cosplay spend more money on photographer location and travel uh and not get paid as much as you just dressing up in a bikini you know sure, so sure. i understand it again we're business people so i'm like i don't hate it i understand yeah. it you know yeah um, that's i think that's a really good way of putting it though and, and this is a topic that that i've discussed with sam before uh, and, and the thing about it is I don't judge people based off of what they're doing, uh, for, for their business model, right? You know, if, mm -hmm. if you're making a living and you're not, if you're not harming yourself in the process of it, who am I to really judge, right. you know, whatever it is that you're doing. The only thing that, uh, I think saddens me is that oftentimes, uh, you know, the entire cosplay scene from from outside perspective, you know what I mean? Like you and I understand what it is. You and I understand that the cosplay community has all sorts of different niche business models, whether it's your prop maker 
or it's your person who's just doing these incredible photo edits, right? Like uh, mm. Alexandra Lee, right? Oh yeah. Or you have, you know, the the person who's doing the 3D printing or the person or the person who is doing the modeling or the the ludes or the the Patreon or whatever it is. Mm. All of the different business models, you know, some people have been able to make them work. The only thing that I think has saddened me is I've seen people that aren't comfortable with the so like ludes for example it's such a dangerous topic right <laughs> but the only thing that i think will ever sadden me so much with it is the fact that some people feel that they have to do it to be relevant and that's what's sad to me because i don't agree with that i think that there are some other options but in the end of the day i'm also practical and i also have an education in, in business <laughs> and what it really comes down to is you do reach a point where if there's something that you don't want to do and you know that to be relevant, you have to do it. You do need to consider that that is not actually what you should probably, what you should be doing. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And and you are completely correct though. Sex does sell. And the thing that I think, I think it's important to really, to really respect and and accept the fact that for the larger world, the outside world, the 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 non cosplayers. It is definitely, definitely been far more. Um, it's been far more approachable to just the normal world by having you know people that are doing modeling, people that are doing ludes. People they get excited about that, even if they have no idea what it's from. You have this beautiful girl, you know, and and it's it's getting you know all sorts of different attention. And mm -hmm. that is that is what's what's I think hard is I think we've reached a point now where it's so there's so much inflation and there's so much saturation on the market that there's not a whole lot of room for new people. And so now what's happened is people are trying to push their boundaries and push and push and push and push and push. And, push. and I, I'm kind of afraid of of where it'll eventually end up, because I think it it's going to end up in a position where there are some people that are definitely being taken advantage of. Mm. And so what I would encourage people to do, if that's the route they're going is definitely consult with other people in the industry. There are some people that are super nice and super kind and super willing to talk. You probably know more of them than I do because you're a photographer and I just sit inside of a workshop <laughs> all day, but, but definitely reach out to people that are a part of the industry and try and see if, if, what you're doing is okay try and see if the, the photographers you're working with are okay and safe and just make sure that you're you're not going into it with your 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 eyes you know blindfolded because the last thing i want to see is this wonderful community that we have the cosplay community just get torn apart because of drama and a couple of really bad eggs and you and mm -hmm. i both know that they do exist and they there will be more that come in and and all we can do is try and try and protect everybody that is a part of the community i try to take them know, out all from, the time you know those bad eggs yeah yeah that's that's it exactly and so you know uh, it's definitely a u.s thing though for sure i've, I've seen more of it um so I also think, think, like well <clears throat> sorry go ahead, go ahead go well you know what i was gonna say is i i feel like um and and this is this is maybe it's too broad of a, a kind of um analysis of it but i think a lot of other countries are raised with a different work ethic than a lot of us here in the united states um and i don't think that's any any one person's fault i think a lot of it just has to do more with how industry works here versus mm -hmm. how it works in other countries um you know some other countries we have 
such a surplus of availability of resources, it's not mm. even funny. You know what I mean? Uh, one of the one of the kind of just most how do I put this? One of the most heartwarming experiences I ever had is when uh, Sammy and I were flown out to the Philippines to uh, be guests at a convention and judge their contest. Mm -hmm. And we got to do a bunch of panels. And one of the things is I'm very much known for doing CNC work, uh, 3D printing, that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not, uh, 3D printing specifically, when we went out there, was not really available in the Philippines, right? Mm -hmm. Their technology had not, uh, they hadn't really gotten that industry available out there at a reasonable price. And so I was like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to bring a full, I'm going to fly a full suit of my armor out there. Holy crap, that's going to suck. But luckily the convention was willing to support that. Mm -hmm. But so I brought, I brought a technique and I brought a technology out that they hadn't really had as much of an opportunity to experience in real life. And it was so great. You know, I brought Uther out and I'm just taking pieces <laughs> off in the middle of this panel and we're passing them around. We're like, everybody just hold this, touch this, you know, really experience it and see what's going on here. Because I did that because I knew that in three years in two or three years, they were going to get 3D printers. Mm -hmm. They were going to get access to these materials. They were going to be at the point that they were going to be able to do, you know, all of the same kind of process that I use. And what was so kind of exciting about that though is i also know that the work ethic of like the filipino community out there especially the cosplay community is just incredible you know they're they're using mm -hmm. all sorts of different materials that are available to out them some of which like there's guys using cardboard and they're making very limited yeah mm -hmm. that are just incredible you know i mean that's what, how so, i fell in love in cosplay in the first place we had to be sure. very very creative like 10 years ago because oh, you yeah. can't buy any of this stuff but oh, yeah. it's not the same anymore. Well, you know, you know, uh, I would say this is something that I lucked out. So I feel like, and and this is this is only with with um, the knowledge of conversation I've had with Sam before. So Sammy came from the cosplay community, and what I'm talking, she's been doing this since like I don't know, like 2005 or something, right? Mm -hmm. I came from the prop making world, so like replica prop form, all that. And from what I've heard, the cosplay community was actually really bad about sharing knowledge oh, at its like, yeah. earlier stage, right? Definitely. Where people would hoard that knowledge, hoard that technique. It's a all that. taboo to even ask people on how they do things. Right. And, and that to me is a terrible, terrible thing. And so coming from the prop world, though, dude, everybody's super excited to share their knowledge. And, and so... I was having a conversation with my mom once and, you know, she's not a cosplayer. She's not a part of this world, but she's a brilliant woman, right? And she said something to me that was kind of interesting. And once again, this is not a, a blanket statement, but it is something I think is relevant. And she said that oftentimes what she's noticed is that cosplayers, cosplay for a lot of people is an escape from reality. Would you agree? It's for some mm -hmm. people, it's like, here's this, here's this incredible character that I idolize, who, who I really want to represent. I want to be him or her for at least a little while. And, and a lot of times it helps people. It helps them mm. kind of feel feel that same kind of just uh, property or that same kind of personality trait they admire so much. They feel like they are able to really feel it themselves. Mm -hmm. The prop making world is is completely different though. You know, it's it's really about taking this thing that doesn't exist and making it a part of your reality. So one I feel like is is kind of entering the fantasy and and taking those traits and and enjoying the benefit of them. And the other is I don't want something to be excluded from my reality. And mm. so for me as a prop maker, the the most real rewarding process is the fact that I can take something that doesn't exist and make it exist. 
That is mm-hmm. that is the important kind of core. It, it, there, there's no fantasy element about that for me, at least. Once again, like I said, this is this is just a generalized statement, right? <laughs> but I love, I love being able to make that thing, being able to take the thing that I think is so cool, and then hold it, or wear it, or do whatever it is. But it's not about it's not about you know. Uh, the thing about cosplay of of a of a. Role play element, I guess, is what I'm saying. Because cosplay you know? is such a for a lot of them, both if they're doing as a business or as individual, even just for fun, is very much sure. tied to themselves as a person. You know, right. I guess props right. making is less about on that side. You know, even for me for photo, like it's weird because in a way like, it's yeah, you know, in a way it's almost there's like almost an exclusivity to it though, where it's like this is this is about about me or that sounds bad it, that's why it, i don't that's mean why it's it really hard for them to take you know criticism I mean though, right because like sure. they really think that when people are criticizing their cosplay or whatever they're making they think it's talking about them as a person when it's not when it's, it's definitely right. just about you know their craftsmanship or like whatever they're making yeah. it's not about you as a person as chad or as martin it's, it's just yeah. this thing that i'm looking at but because people yeah. are so tied to their own core as themselves then they kind of have that they will try to defend themselves rather than you know, sure. Took criticism well, and that's tied back to what we're saying I earlier. I think, you know, I for me one of one of the major major important factors of my life is always trying to maintain a, a semblance of balance, really, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think the healthiest balance is having an appreciation for both elements. So for me, you know, I do cosplay like Reinhardt, for example, as you know, was was just this larger than life character who had one eye. I, I really resonated with his personality. I loved just how kind and caring he was, but also the fact that he's willing to stand up to bullies. I hate bullies, by the way. It's I hate <laughs> them with a passion. Right. So for me, it was like. <laughs> I agree, right? You know, I, I grew up, luckily enough, I was always like, like I said, Chatterbox, I was the big kid, right? Uh-huh. And so people didn't mess with me, but my friends, my my nerd friends, they all got picked on and stuff. So I was always the big protector. You know, I was like a little mini version of Reinhardt. That's how I feel, right? <laughs> and so like I got into fights and stuff and I, I was protecting friends and of course I got in trouble, but whatever, it was the right thing to do, right? Hmm. But so so fast forward, you know, here I am now in a position where I'm actually able to to cosplay and I'm able to really experience so much of what a lot of people don't realize this, by the way, but Lionheart was really my first cosplay. Like hmm. genuinely speaking, it was the first cosplay I've ever done for myself. So I had made props and stuff for other people and costume parts for other people. I'd never actually really cosplayed. You know what I mean? That's crazy. So, so for me, it was like this. I mean, keep in mind, I had all the skills and stuff to, you do, to yeah, make uh-huh. something like that. But I'd never embodied that character, and that—that's how—that's what cosplay is to me. You know, I—we did this like intermission video about a while ago about what is cosplay to them, and oh, people yeah. are talking about like it's about community and it's about this and about all these different things. For me, what it was is just being able to be that character that I really idolized. I loved it so much, you know, and uh, you know, Reinhardt. So, uh, but yeah, so it's like for me, it was just yeah i don't know i'm 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 good i'm done i'm done with the topic but yeah so it's just i want i want to see people really uh approach it in both factors like cosplay and and whatever reason you're doing it do it for sure Mm -hmm. especially for yourself it's okay for you to be selfish and do it for yourself if that's what it is sometimes it's not sometimes it's about the community but i also think it's important to uh to kind of share your knowledge and don't hoard it um and so so sorry we went on a tangent but no, the, no, that's the what we prop do. making, yeah, the prop making um, community was very, very, very good about sharing knowledge. Just from the moment I found them, 
And so I think a lot of a lot of what's brought me to where I am today is just the fact that that knowledge was made re readily available through different mediums like YouTube and like I said, the Cup prop form and the, or like the 501st, like holy holy crap, if you want to just find knowledge, those oh, are three resources yeah. that has everything you really could ever want to learn. I think it's also because cosplay, as we said before, also tied to the person is also a very big popularity contest. And, you know, yeah, I hate that. Yeah. And a lot of kids, here, you that. know, as we said, like they might not have uh, such a good time back in school, being a nerd, being a geek. So uh, cosplay was an escape. And some of them, unfortunately, also become bully in the cosplay scene because they finally get a taste of, you know, that kind of popularity. The fame. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, when somebody is growing up and, and they're like, they're totally not the cool kid. And mm. then when they're an adult, they're the cool kid. And rather than like, rather than being humble and appreciate the success that you've had and trying to share they that. Become success, the it's thing the they worst. Hate it. I hate it. I hate when I see that happen. It's like, it's like, you're no different now than you were in the past. It's just now people aren't picking on you. So it's like, why mm -hmm. are you now picking? It's like, why are you propagating the cosplay community with bullies when you've been bullied yourself? Like it's the worst, it's one of the worst things, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing I because hate, they, they become popular. Bullies, they become popular in the cosplay yeah. scene, then therefore they don't want to give them up. So they, they, that's why they don't share knowledge. They want to be like, oh, I want to hoard off this. Like, wow, I still can because I never experienced it before. And that becomes a, a problematic situation. It's, it's so dumb, though, because, I, you know, luckily enough, having, having worked, because I've also done work with, like, professionals and then an entertainment industry. And I've worked on, mm. like, music and theater and all sorts of different different industries, right? Being exposed to legitimate special effects artists and model makers and hearing the stories and and there's not a single person in the cosplay world that actually has knowledge that only they know they uh -huh. just think they just think that they're special mm -hmm. you know what i mean because you're it's not funny because a lot of the stuff that we do was already in the movie industry stuff. yeah oh yeah oh yeah well i mean so much of what cosplay in the prop making world was was re rediscovering what the movie industry was already doing i had a mm -hmm. i was on a web webinar last week with uh with an individual who was one of the uh, lead prop makers on uh, star wars like the original mm -hmm. trilogy and uh he we were talking about reinhardt and i was showing him like different processes and he got super excited because in so when it comes to like prop making and mold making specifically, and when you're doing prosthetics, one of the things that's important to understand is uh, one of the materials that's used most offices often is foam latex and foam latex will actually contract after it's molded after it's cast. Mm. It's like 8% or something like that. Mm. And so if you think about it, if you, if you do a life cast on somebody, right. And you sculpt on that bust, well, it's going to contract 8%. It's not going to fit them. Right. Well, mm. how do you take a life cast and blow it up 8% and actually do it in a legitimate fashion? There's no real way to do it, right? You can't just uh -huh. like make a mold and then that mold grows 8%. Big, yeah. right? But there huh. is a way to do it, and that's digitally. So let's imagine rather than having a physical life cast, you have a digital scan. And that's how I work, right? I've got digital scans. And so mm. I was I was talking to him, and, and like I showed you, like swapping to ZBrush Life. I started showing him with my cable costume how it's like I knew exactly how much my material was going to be able to contract. So I actually was able to blow everything up by 8% to uh, to offset for that 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 shrinkage. And he got super excited about it, right? And that's because it's like <laughs> he hasn't been exposed to the digital realm. And I'm sitting here going, I'm exciting one of the lead artists from Star Wars. That's kind of <laughs> cool, right? And I'm 
I am a prop maker and a cosplayer, right? And he's getting excited about what we're doing. And that's because what we're doing is legitimate. It is a legitimate process, what so much of us are using now. And it's also the same process that a lot of people in the industry are using. And uh, what's the other thing? He was super excited how I did Reinhardt because I found out that the way that I did the arms and the legs for Reinhardt was pretty much the same way that they did the Wampa in Empire Strikes Back. Ooh. So that's, that's pretty cool. cool. I, like, was, I, was like, I was like, I was like, wow. That's why I, I that. like the next step. <laughs> the next step for a lot of us content creator is, I mean, not even next step, but lots of people are already doing it. And I encourage people to do it as well is edutainment, education, oh, entertainment. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. that's what I, I've been trying to I work on too. I love that term. A, a friend of mine uses that term. He actually says that's what I do. He's like, you do edutainment because you're fun <laughs> to listen to and entertaining, but we're, we're learning so much. And that's because what, what we're doing now, I feel like the moment people have a smile on their face and they're interested in what's going on because of the entertainment side of it, they're mm -hmm. in a much better position to take their phone and set it down and pay the fuck attention to what we're actually doing, right? Mm -hmm. So there's that actual like... Uh, it feels like that less of going to connection. class. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. It's right. not like doing it, a teacher exactly. where you're like forced to learn something. It's more like, oh, I actually I want it, to hear what they say. I call it um I call it emotional engagement. Sammy would say that's one of my buzzwords. She's like, you say that all the time, right? But that's really <laughs> what it is. Emotional engagement. The moment somebody is emotionally engaged in a topic, they're gonna mm -hmm. actually be in a far better position to retain it. Um I, I'm sure you've experienced this before, um, but like on panels, when when we kind of do open QAs and people are like, oh, I was I was making this thing and then I had this problem, right? Mm -hmm. And so so what's so interesting in, in my approach now to answering questions is oftentimes like I could sit there and I could just like say something, but if I try and I use an example that's very, very similar to theirs, right? So first and foremost, you know, you and I both know we're just normal people, right? We're just idiots. <laughs> yeah. And no offense. But no, not at all. We we just got into some, doing what we love, which is great. Right. But some people have a tendency to put others on a pedestal. You know what mm. I mean? And they think that this this person is able to do things that they don't. So the first thing I do in a panel is I go, you know, like I try to make sure that they realize that I am not anything special. <laughs> I just work really hard at what I do, right? The mm -hmm. only thing that's special about me is I work hard. And that's, I think, an actual special ability or skill, right? The second thing, though, is the moment I can get them myself off that pedestal. So let's say somebody's like, I had a problem with paint. So if I go, I had that exact same problem with paint. Okay, now that person isn't failing because they're stupid. They're failing mm -hmm. because what they're doing is actually a difficult thing. Because I also screwed up in the exact same fashion, right? So I like Maybe to make sure the they realize... Problem. Exactly. I want them to realize that I am just as big of a screw up as they are, right? If that's what's going through their head. <laughs> uh, the second thing, though, is I will take whatever that, that screw up that's similar to theirs, right? And I'll walk them through it. Oh, sorry. I thought Alexa was like talking to me. <laughs> so, so I start talking about like the problem I was having, though. And I realized that um, one sec. No worries. The robot invasion. Yeah, Alexa. Uh, the was robot like, invading. Alexa, Alexa was just like, "What would you like to eat today?" No, she didn't say that. <laughs> oh God! Now she's talking. Alexa, stop. That's why that I changed my two. Sorry, word this is computer. where edits take place, right? <laughs> but yeah, so so getting back to it. So in the middle of a panel, you know, we'll we'll, we'll basically make them feel like they're not 
a screw up and that we're not anything special. But then as I walk through the solution that I took to resolving my own problem, I don't want to tell them how to fix their problem. I want them to figure out how to fix their own problem. But the way that I do that is I will talk about my failure and the steps that I kind of took to try and figure out how to solve it. And it's funny because like a third of the way into it, like their eyes glaze over and they're completely disassociated from what I'm actually saying, because what I'm assuming is happening is they're actually like kind of superimposing their problem over what I'm saying. And in mm -hmm. real time, they're problem solving their own thing. And it's so awesome because once you do that and once they've kind of figured out an idea of how they're going to fix their problem, then they're just like super excited. And then it's like, it's, it's such a rewarding they can see themselves doing people it, to solve you know? their own problems. That's it. Exactly. It's so rewarding for people to watch somebody fix their own problem or solve their own problem. It's, mm -hmm. and, and, and then they also feel good about it, though, because then they don't feel like a failure, you know, and, and that's, that's one of the most rewarding things ever for me. I posted on my Facebook yesterday to uh, on my status after Johnny's comment. And the same thing is uh, the drummer from um, what's his name? David Gold or whatever. Um, he's from Girl. Foo yeah. Fighters. Yeah. yeah, Foo Fighters. Yeah, that guy. Like he, he said something Pearl. similar, like which is like in the beginning, it was we also, all it was suck. Oh yeah, he, he's also Foo in Fighter, Nirvana. Nirvana, yeah, there we go. That's, that's a picture online. Where I was like, this guy looks like this guy, and it's of course yeah. it's him into different bands. He is. But yeah, no, the thing is that like, um, yeah, we all supposed to suck in the beginning. We all suck so bad in the oh, beginning. Yeah. That's the first Absolutely. step. Yeah, like oh, yeah. my photos in the beginning suck, and they still do. But it's just we constantly do more and more. We have a lot of practice. Like the different machine. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have a, I have a, I have another kind of philosophy or ideology about that though. Is like, hit me. So, it isn't so much that we suck at the beginning. It's that when you first start at something, it takes you far longer to get the results that you want. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. so right now, what I'm able to do with my prop making is through experience. I have been able to overcome all of the stop gaps that exist normally in making something. I've I've made all of the mistakes and learned how not to repeat those mistakes enough times where I don't continue repeating them. So my product is finished faster. I mm -hmm. see people in the cosplay community that will take a year to make a costume, but that costume is just as good, if not better than the ones that I make. And that is because in their case, it's not so much that their skills aren't as good as mine, they just take longer to achieve, kind of like achieve the same results. And that is, I think, really the only thing that differentiates somebody that's a professional versus an amateur is how fast you're able to accomplish efficiency. certain things. We just it's became efficient. more efficient. That's it because exactly. we know Because we know Back how to skip what kind of mistake. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's why I talk to even like indie game company, because sometimes I do advising for them and I tell them, sure. it's like, it's not, it's not as important as you doing the right thing. It's just, more important you don't do the wrong thing because it's take a lot right. of time to fix those yeah. mistakes. And me coming yeah. advising is not telling you exactly what to do because the marketing keeps changing, but it's telling you what not to do because those mistakes gonna cost you time and money. So you can focus on and and neutral press is whatever. Bad press is bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it's like you can work in 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 any kind of in any kind of position between like neutral and good, if you're within that buffer in that area, you're doing all right. The moment you start dipping into the bad stuff, these are the things that are going to cause you to shut down, you know? Mm -hmm. And so and it, not it's only like you have, sure you don't go yeah. there. 
let's just say it's using a number scale. Let's say you do minus two. You have to bring it to a plus four in order to have a plus two from that zero point. So it's a lot yeah. more effort. And that's only assuming you yeah. don't make more mistake because of that minus two. So, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's a cosplay scene. And I still remember the other points I had made about the cosplay thing that like, kind of annoy me is about Japanese culture. Like a lot of ja- <laughs> uh, uh, cosplayer in America has this fascination with Japan and Japanese culture, which is great, not a problem. But I don't think they right. also understand that like the Japanese, a lot of Japanese culture still see otaku or nerd as geek. It's not a cool thing. It's not that cool. <laughs> but a lot of people in our right. scene is like, oh, that's how all Japanese people are like. No, 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 no. That's, that's not the case. Not you need to all. travel more. Because you've been to Japan. Like, of course, it's cool, geek, nerdy stuff. But a lot of traditional, you know, working men and women, that's not how they think. You know? It but is they think such a like that. different society. It's such a different culture than ours. And, and it's, I think it's super, super beneficial. Like I was saying earlier, it's beneficial to go there and, and experience that. But once mm-hmm. again, I think, you know, that's another thing that we as Americans, or I guess me, because while you are, in fact, American, <laughs> I was American you too. <laughs> Sure, but but, but I'm from a different you came country. From a culture, so you have a perspective that's different than somebody that's Native American, right? Mm-hmm, so, yeah. as an American, what I've seen is the fact that if if there was a quality of ours that I say would say I, I really dislike, it's the fact that a lot of times Americans think they know what something is, or they think that that they are actually right about things. They make assumptions that they really shouldn't. And I think that's one thing that I would encourage people to definitely do is to stop making assumptions. Stop speaking when you don't actually know what they're talking about, you know? By such an you American don't need concept. to have an opinion on everything, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean though, right? People don't have to always have an opinion. It's okay <laughs> to be quiet. You it's know okay what I mean? to say I don't know about something. Let me look more into well, it. You know what's the benefit though of keeping your mouth shut when when at least at the start, it's okay to have an opinion, right? Mm-hmm. But the benefit of not always voicing your opinion is oftentimes you actually learn what the right answer is before you mm-hmm. open your mouth. So you actually look way smarter. Tell that to Twitter. People want to stop. <laughs> exactly. But if people want to stop looking so dumb and sounding so dumb, keep your mouth shut until you hear what the actual truth is. And then all of a sudden, you can actually say the next time you're in that position, you can be like, no, I learned this from so-and-so who is, once again, you know, a professional or somebody who has the know or the knowledge. They imparted this knowledge onto me and I was smart enough to keep my mouth shut. And so I actually was able to absorb that knowledge and now I'm able to then share that knowledge. And now what we're having is a, a much, much better likelihood of that knowledge being genuinely transferred to multiple people you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's that's another thing is, man, pe- come on, guys, just keep your mouth shut a little while and listen. That reminded know? me of a post I saw on Facebook where it's like, huh, should I trust all the scientists who spend years and years studying, you know, virus, oh, no. studying about biochemistry, <laughs> or I can listen to my high school friend who failed uh, just high school biology. <laughs> Maybe he knows something that I don't and all the scientists don't. Huh, huh, I wonder oh, who's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. As a person who for <laughs> a living has to wear a mask more than half of the time, mm. I know why you're supposed to wear a mask. I also so so I actually worked at UC Riverside. I was the lab tech for 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 their sculpture lab. So I had to go through a tremendous amount of training about toxic materials and particulate matter and how to prevent stuff from actually getting into your lungs and proper sealing and, you know, all of the different safety kind of processes that are required when you're in that kind of position. And so like, I see these people, I'm not even a, a health professional, right? But I know how, how some of this works, right? And so seeing some of just the this random inundated knowledge that has no actual background of truth behind it. I look at it and I go, that is a fucking algorithm's fault, right? <laughs> like, clearly, ah, right? So I don't know, man. I will say I'm really glad that Twitter started doing fact checking on uh, certain individual statements. Because the one thing like, you know, like, like with my dad, for example, is the problem you run into with an algorithm, it's not that it, 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 you know, propagates your search with correlation on on that topic. It's that it actually hides the chance of you experiencing an alternative mm -hmm. to whatever it is you're, you're looking up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like I, the, the best the best thing we can all do is to try and get our news from multiple sources because there's kernels of truth bef behind all of them. And it's it, you just start correlating with what seems to resonate with all of them. And you're like, OK, so that's kind of what the truth might be. People like to <laughs> rush be. though. Yeah, that's because like we're, that's because we're lazy man like the news we really let's say, are yeah let's say someone come up with some information saying oh uh even anyone tomorrow would say oh the coronavirus is actually over in the states everyone's oh they'll just start posting about it and even if they make a correction sure. sometime later they wouldn't sure. care about that much they want to be the first news that release the information that they want to be that one well, you know, you know what's so so as like I said before, as somebody who wears a mask a tremendous amount of my life just to protect myself from from the chemicals and, and the particulate matter that I work with daily. What a lot of people don't realize is there's a much there's another benefit that has nothing to do with keeping coronavirus from being inhaled. And you know what that is when you got mask uh -huh. on your face and you touch something that's infected guess what you can't touch mm, you can't no contact touch your face there's a barrier there that barrier is there it's not just to prevent the actual transmission through the air it's mm -hmm. there to prevent you from taking your grubby hands and putting it in your nose and mouth mm -hmm, that's why mm -hmm. wearing a face shield really it, even if somebody doesn't want to wear a mask let's say there's all of these people that are like i don't want to wear a mask it, it makes it hard to breathe blah, blah, blah. fine at least wear a face shield because you might mm -hmm. look stupid but guess what? You still can't touch your face because the mm. majority of the actual transmission of virus starts with people getting stuff on their hands and then putting it in their mouth. You know mm. what I mean? It, it's funny for me because with with what I do, I've I'm actually really good about not taking my fingers and put, putting them on my face. But I don't know, man. Yeah, I cheat, though, because because of the accident, I've got so much nerve damage. So if there's like an itch or a scratch on this side, I don't even feel it. <laughs> So I cheat, right? <laughs> but yeah, for most people, and especially since we all have smartphones this day, we always we'll touch anything we touch, we'll instantly touch the phone. And then we'll oh, right. face to touch your face and you know, just oh, everything God. touching everything. So Yeah, man. You know, it's so funny for me because like I see these people running around with gloves and it's like, uh, so if you've ever... But they still touch worked, their face. Right, right. So so I was at a market, right? And, and I seen this gal and she was fully like just 
to the walls, like PPE'd up, right? Uh-huh. And she's got her gloves on, you know? And I'm like, okay, cool, right? And she's like shopping and this and that, blah, 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 right? And then she gets a phone call. Reaches in her pocket, pulls out her phone, and puts it right against the side of her head. <laughs> right? And, and, and then she like, she like, her mask was there. So you know what she did? She pulled her mask down and then put it against the side of her head. <laughs> so she did it. We're not, we're talking, she, she didn't take her gloves off at least and then pull her phone out. No, she's got her gloves against the side of her head too. And I'm just like, we're fucked. What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> and fucked. she touched everything with those gloves. So like, you know, you know, the thing that's, that's so just sad about it is like, it's literally like if, if we could just do it for about a month, one solid month of people just staying at home when they can, right? Mm-hmm. When they should, which is most of the time. And then also just wearing a mask. One month, we'd be gone. It, it, it would be done. It would be gone. We're a much be better fine. place. Yeah. We'd be in a much better place, you know? Like and instead, parents... we've got... Like, the U.S. Yeah. is literally going to be the worst country by the end of this, as far oh, yeah. as, like, the infection rates. Easily, if, if we're not already. I don't even know. I try not to look anymore because it just <laughs> makes me sad. Depressing. You know? yeah. Because I, I... I like humans. I want humans to live, but I'm really tired of seeing dumb humans. I saw like That's a video, sure. uh, like the streets in Louisiana, and then it's just like the bar streets, you know, where all the bars are. It's just full of people, and this is not like a few months ago. This is like two days ago. Right, just full oh. of people without. Okay, mass. so so like we we live, uh, you know, I don't know if you go to Long Beach much, but we live near a uh, a street called Second Street, and it's oh, yeah, like yeah. a beach. I was there last yeah. time to do uh, photos of the bioluminescence waves. So, but there was oh, yeah, lots of people. Yeah. So, yeah. so we literally live right near Second Street, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you more details because I don't want people <laughs> to know exactly where I live, right? Suffice to say, though, Second Street is just packed. It's just popping, man. Like, there's At just all time. people everywhere. All the restaurants are open again. Actually, the, the city of Long Beach, they did this thing on Second Street. I don't know if they're doing it at other places, but literally, they just eliminated street parking and then they built these like expansions outside for the restaurants to do outdoor seating at and so they'll just have like these there's not keep in mind parking out here is already abysmal right oh yes now it's not just abysmal there's even less parking now and and there's just all of these people out there with their dogs and their kids and their there are no masks. I was like, oh my god! It doesn't make sense. Some of them I have seen where they, yes, they're doing outdoor, but then the table are very close to each other. Like, that, what's the point? Like, just because it's outdoor, it's not going to solve the issue of the distance. Right. Right. So. Oh, man. The world. <laughs> the world is burning, my friend. And I, I'm sad because I I like what we do, you know? And mm-hmm. and I like the people I that, do that like I get to spend time with. You know, like hanging out with you or like stuff like that. It's like, doing all this stuff it's so fun and and i think that uh, if we were a bit more responsible we could return back to that and the the continuation of of the shutdown process it definitely correlates with people and their anger and and i just i would like to see people get the chip off their shoulders just long enough so we can actually let people stop dying you know and it's for the really like, what it is I feel bad for a lot of people who finally can go to convention for the first time this year, supposedly, supposedly, but oh, because sure. of this, it couldn't go. Remember sure. like how magical it was the first few times you go to conventions? Like, it oh, was yeah, amazing. Dude, like, I, I 
don't particularly like going to San Diego Comic Con anymore. I, I okay, love not Comic Con, but not SCCC. But yes, sure, sure, sure. I love the convention. I don't like going to the convention, if you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. it's it's such a difficult thing to get in there. I will say with the RFID changes and all that, it's far more enjoyable than it was for the last couple of years before that. Mm-hmm. But it's still like just getting down there is such a terrible, terrible nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. But I still think if if I think that every single person that can should try and go to San Diego Comic-Con at least once because it is the truest just representation of nerd pop culture that exists in this day. Like, holy moly, it's incredible, right? I'd say I the same thing this. about like BlizzCon too. SDCC <laughs> is like a mecca for nerd geeks. Like, if it's you Disneyland. like that stuff, yeah, it you have to go at least once. Nerd like, Disneyland. It, we might not, you might not enjoy it every year, like all of this, but like, at least go once to see what it's like, you know, to a maximum right. form. But, right. you know, but there's also all the type of other convention that we love, like, you know, it's just that. BlizzCon, or like even our local, like you know, WonderCon, sure. or even smaller one like AOA. It's just yeah, fun man. to see how much, how much people enjoy themselves. You know, dude, I still, I still, like you said, the I still remember the first time I went to SDCC and I walked in through the doors and I just look up, I'm here. and there's just the giant, you know, I think there was this giant Optimus Prime, you know, mm-hmm. Hasbro Interactive or whatever setup, and I'm yep. like, holy crap! And then to the right is like the Star Wars Lucas Arts setup, and, and then like, nonstop oh from like further than your love. eyes can see, and and it's and it's literally it's like a mile of this, and I'm like, this is insane because I'd been to other conventions before, but I had no, I was so unprepared, so I'm just walking through the stores, I'm like, wow. Right. The first time anyone wow. goes to Comic Con, no one's able to prepare for it because you don't even know how to no, expect it. And once you all. enter, it's like, what is this? You know, like I will this say, cosplaying at San Diego Comic Con. Oh is the no, worst. I would not suggest it. <laughs> I like, I tell people. All well, the time, I've done it. I would I was not, but still enough to do it. Oh, oh man. I know lots of friends have done it, but it gets yeah. worse each year for cosplayer. Each year, sure, yeah. Sure. So, Absolutely. but if you like cosplaying, Agreed. I would say try some smaller cons first to start out. You know, you know what? Like, like my favorite. What is your favorite convention? Do you have one? Yes. I've okay. So I think my favorite conventions is between two region and two styles, right? So sure. let's say uh, the styles are like, are you doing for cosplay or are you doing for like, you know, um, enjoyment? Uh, not enjoyment, but like, you know, different types of stuff. Like on the east side, I do love Kasukan. Like, uh, oh yeah, cos- cosplay yeah. is amazing. Of course, people bring their A game, and traditionally, East Coast have very amazing prop builders and uh, fabric fabricator. Um, mm-hmm. So they make really elaborate. That's because cosplay. all the prop makers on the West Side uh, or the West Coast end up working in the entertainment industry eventually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Mansi, like all of them, like they they do great stuff. They take them in Hollywood, but yeah. uh, East Coast for really fun. I really like uh, Colossal Con. I don't think you've yeah. been before, but you should someday. I've they... not been to Colossal Con. Yeah. No. But even though it's not like really much of a showcase of cosplaying, but because of Water Park, it's just so much fun. It's enjoyable. Yeah. I think you would like it imagine. too, just for funsies. See, I I would probably like it, but the problem is Sammy would hate it because she's a vampire, remember? So like the moment <laughs> she's exposed to the sun, she's just like, <laughs> right? She's like, no, right? So There's also I, the I indoor like... water park. <laughs> yeah, we... Oh, is it indoor? It's oh, okay, both. It's indoor that... and outdoor. That's, oh, gotcha. that's how fun it is. Okay, and so maybe maybe it would be fun. And nighttime, we'll just the... drink. Uh, they also sell alcoholic uh, beverage everywhere. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so it's such a fun I don't know if that's kind of a good idea. <laughs> you know, I was going to say, like, uh, I think that the thing that actually scares me the most when I'm walking around 2nd Street is the fact that there's so many people that are drinking. 
Mm. And, and I think that's that's probably one of the the biggest kind of uh, culprits as far as like the spread of COVID and all that. It is actually the it's when people are in a public environment drinking. It's like I'm not telling people not to drink, but when you're drinking in public, your inhibitions are lower. You're not going to be paying attention. Like mm. half the time, people are so drunk they don't know what they're touching and putting in their mouth. And, and then they just scream just... like bars allow. you be like, "Let me get this!" And then what? And like just spitting everywhere. Oh yeah, your <laughs> drink. <laughs> right? You know? Yeah, just just breathing out you know death but yeah. um so what what is your other one you said katsukana Ooh, that's the east coast side so on the west yeah. coast our end i think the best one that i like are for funzy would be fanime because it's my home con mm. you know i oh, grew sure. up in norcal so fanime is always a good balance between industry but also fun so we really much by fan for fan kind of situation sure sure uh and i think maybe blizzcon or more amazing good. cosplay because people yeah. really bring their A game. It used to be AX, but it's become way too crowded and way too crazy. Oh man, I so so I know you break down uh, conventions uh, based off of kind of style. I, I do the same thing, but for me, it's more like: is it more of an entertainment industry kind of convention, mm-hmm. or is it, or or I guess what you could say is it more like a corporate convention, mm-hmm. or is it more of a community convention? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, like Fanime, for example, very much, very much small as far as like your dealers hall and all that it's really not the major emphasis of the convention it's all about the community it's all about the panels it's all about the communication and gathering right mm-hmm. uh i would say my favorite conventions are community conventions it's the same thing like on the east coast um holiday matsuri mm. i love that convention so much I have it's not done so yet. good you really you really gotta go there because a they have wonderful costumes Right, people mm. bring their costumes, but they also there's a bunch of people doing themed costumes that are holiday themed. You know what I mean? Oh, and so like it's Christmas really stuff. cool, especially because in anime, you know, it's such a common thing in in different animes for mm-hmm. for these characters that we all love so much to have like holiday the episode. holiday theming, right? So people do yeah. those costumes as well, and then they do costume groups, and so it's also very much a community uh, convention. Um, but I would say my favorite convention, though is uh it's there's one convention for me and it, it is blizzcon and what's so Ooh. cool about blizzcon is because a you know you've got incredible costumes but the people that are going to blizzcon aren't your stereotypical like cosplayers and convention attendees they're they're blizzard fans right and blizzard has such a strong brand loyalty right so some of these people are working on these costumes for like years and mm-hmm. then they this is finally their chance to really unveil how passionate they are about the blizzard ip and then blizzard does such a good job think about it world of warcraft what do they have like probably 50 million people not more playing it at one point oh I don't so even know, many right? they, they did a good job right? when it comes to mmo they, yeah. they do such a good job in their virtual world of wow moving communities and people around that that blizzcon is just a real life version of them having those skills of actually organizing people you know what I mean? And here's so, the thing too. So they, people that work at BlizzCon was always BlizzCon and Blizzard are really passionate people, you know? Oh yeah. And that's oh, yeah. why they can able to translate that into the convention itself too. Oh yeah. They're just as big of fans as as the people that are there. There's so many people that are working working at Blizzard now that are there because they loved Blizzard as a gamer. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Yep. They're like, it's like, what do you want to do for a living? They don't say I want to be an artist. They don't say they want to, you know, be a they businessman or whatever. They're like, I want to work at Blizzard. What do you want to do, Blizzard? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we'll figure it out, right? And that's they grew that's, up the, playing that's the game incredible to me. It. Yeah, but yeah, so it's but it's thing. also the 
Oh, sorry. Riot, Go ahead. Riot, Riot has taken over that on a community base. I actually have uh, two people that's from Riot. One is the community person, one is a business person. They're going to be on my stream sure. later too, like this month or next month. Oh, nice. Because then I get to, I want to talk about those things. Like how they do such a good job on building community. And I think oh, yeah. Blizzard kind of lost a little bit of it. And Riot did a good I, job coming over it. Blizzard's, Blizzard's, Blizzard's definitely tripped a couple of times. But I think Blizzard's also doing a, a really good job of getting back to where they wanted to be originally. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've seen some of the choices that they've been making in the last last year now. And I feel like they're definitely more... They're definitely more Blizzard-esque choices. There's not nearly <laughs> as much of a corporate influence, if you know what I mean. Yep, yep, yep. Um, a lot of people work at Blizzard that I know personally are great people. You know, they really love yeah. what they do. They love creating. They love, you know, really the Blizzard ideology, you know, the original oh, Blizzard yeah. ideology. Yeah. yeah. So. For sure, for sure. And, you know, I've got friends at both Blizzard and Riot and and seeing how they're they're doing stuff. You know, another game company that I actually really, really like, though, is... Um, Oh gosh, it's the uh, it's the guys uh, that make Apex Legends. What 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 is that? <sighs> Apex uh, Legend. Are they? Is it? They don't make Destiny too, right? Oh, Bungie. It's not Benji. because uh, Bungie is Destiny, right? I don't. Which oh my gosh, I feel so dumb. You um, should know this. <laughs> Just kidding. Respawn. Respawn. Ah, respawn. Respawn. Okay, respawn okay. Entertainment. Yeah. So so Respawn Entertainment. They're like Apex Legends is it's like Overwatch in a battle royale, but they've done a really tremendous job at doing story and background for the, for their characters. And so mm. I think that there's a, a really strong chance that it's going to have a really a strong kind of like cosplay community at one point. And so mm. I'm excited to see where that goes. And it's also growing. So I don't know. I it's, think it's if always they're able to, to make the upcomers. I feel like if they can make more games. Uh, that because I feel like sure. FPS is very specific to one type of gamers, and I yeah. feel like they don't they don't cross paths with a lot. Of, like people that love FPS really love FPS, but they don't like other type of games. Um, yeah. And and but this is like Blizzard has so many different games, and so will Riot. You know, Riot already have different ones. Right. Right. So well, they have the backing to do that, though. They do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, so it's different. So so anytime you get you get a company that's grown to such a scale, it's interesting to see because they have the backing to be able to kind of go through and do 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 new development. You know what else is interesting right now though is uh, Valve. You know what I mm. mean with with what they're doing with uh, all of their their games and whatnot. And the thing that's cool about Valve is. Uh, so, so for everybody that, uh, was upset about like, they're not being uh, episode three for, for Half-Life 2 and all that, right? <laughs> the thing about it is Valve has always made their games when there's a technology for them to really showcase how they use that new technology. And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's what we saw with Alex, Half-Life Alex. And, and for anybody that hasn't played Half-Life Alex, even if you don't have a VR headset, go watch, go watch like a YouTube, you know, kind of quick view of like the game, the trailing, because the, the immersion, the, like how successful they were with immersion on that was just mm -hmm. insane. But, but that's, what's curious for me is technology is now reaching a point where I think, uh, we're going to start seeing a couple new games coming from valve to showcase how they're used they're able to use technology different than everyone else so that's another company that i'm really interested man we've sure talked about a lot of random stuff on this haven't we is this what you were expecting when you asked me to to be on your video interview on this there's no expectation i actually like it but i always that's fear that we'll talk and then we run off topic that's always my fear but i'm glad well, that never really be the case <laughs> <laughs> so i mean that's what i'm saying i said you know 
we said earlier, as an extrovert, I get to talk with people and they enjoy it. So I'm glad. So far, everyone that's been on the show so far, they tell me, sure. wow, what was your, I didn't realize how what much was we talked longest, about. What was your longest interview so far? I mean, the longest I have done was with Sean and Natasha. And because we just oh, keep nice. going on and on about everything. That's 3D cheating, printing. Though, there's people. Yeah, and there's two of them, exactly. So it's kind of <laughs> we should divide it by half because we talk for like two and a half hour or more. Oh, but gotcha, I feel like gotcha. There's, there's two of them, so it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so, have, so I have a question. Do, yes. do you have, well, I have a question about questions. Did you have anything specifically you wanted us to talk about? No, okay, not cool. at all. Do I you mean, have any questions that you want to ask me anyway? It always depends what the person I'm talking to wants to share, you know, because for you, we, we talk about mm. so many different things, right? Of course, we both. I feel kinda, like you and I, we talk about business a lot. I love business, and, but it's not everyone's like topic. That. I know everyone's like, oh, God. <gasps> right like, but it's like, also so important like taxes like, how was like, your taxes <laughs> did you get them done in time i, I filed mine on the 15th <laughs> i did it right uh, here's the thing like i feel like my my text returner my accountant was more more on the, on points than i was like he keep reminding me marty you need to do this you need to do this like, all right cool what do you do so, so sign here it's like okay cool and then i just end up paying for it going to the website pay for it you know i gotta like, say man if you were gonna do a video for creatives you should talk about taxes. You should talk about should. taxes. You should talk about incorporating. Uh, talk about the benefits as well as the limitations of an LLC versus an S corp. Mm -hmm. Give give everybody a, a breakdown of, of of a 1099 misc and and how that's uh, you know See, taxed. After being an individual, <laughs> like you know, and and I think I am also might be switching from an LLC to as uh, S corp too because of what I'm doing. Because like, it, it's, here's the any thing, reason why. Any reason oh, why? The reason why is because how I can pay myself. <laughs> but you can do that as an LLC. You can, but the tax is bricked differently. I remember if I remember correctly. So, so an LLC, if it's structured properly, you can actually set it up though as if you're taxed the same way as you are as an S corp, mm -hmm. where you essentially. So what you're doing is you're paying yourself as if you're an employee, and so what True. you do is you don't. There's no. There isn't a direct correlation with your income. Uh, for the business, instead, you have an actual salary every single week or month or whatever, whatever your payment mm -hmm. scheduling is. And then what that allows you to do is actually file your taxes similar to an S Corp. But I think it's because my company also pays so many different people. So maybe that's why see, they were that's, doing that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, a, I see one now big why difference. Yeah. yeah, that's dude. I, I that terrify employees terrify me. Like no lie, that that is a terrifying. That's thing. That's why it's, so. what confused me is that how people are really confused about how to do their tax if they have a normal nine to five, like a regular nine to five. Sure. It, it, it it should be very easy. If anything, just going triple tax it's or so whatever QuickBooks. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. because they have all the the free filing that one stuff. Form, like, just one form, just one form, you're done. Yeah, I don't. I'm I I look at all that. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I I'm definitely. I was really proud of myself because in the last few years. Um, in the last few years, like I wasn't nearly as good about keeping track of my expenses and, and my deductions and all that different stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for the, really for like the first time, the last two years, I was trying to be far better about keeping track of receipts and, and, and actually, um, there's a, there's a, a, a website out there, Waves apps. I don't know mm. if you've ever checked it out, but they've mm. got um, it's free to use. They've got, it's a really good, strong invoicing software and they do offer you like 
payment solutions where you can have people pay you directly through their portal with a credit mm. card and stuff, which is nice for some people, although, of course, they take a cut. Yeah. But uh, it's it's really good for me because they've got a couple of apps like a receipts app so I can actually take pictures of receipts and it will actually act like it'll uh, automatically track it and it will OCR text recognition it and categorize it. And so mm. I can actually categorize my my different receipts and and that allows me to determine whether they're like a, a, a business expense this but not not right. Yeah. It's just like so so like I was saying though is like the last two years but especially 2019 I was so good about it, right? But then, of course, with 2020 and the the tax season this year, it was such a reason because, like, so technically, like, you were so so like you and I are actually better off if if we're gonna file for unemployment. And if you are self employed, by the way, guys, you really should just file for unemployment because I oh, guarantee yeah. you, every single person has been affected by the pandemic, right? One but what, I, what I'm getting at is, uh. So like you and I, for example, we're actually better off having the most amount of income and the least amount of deductions this year mm -hmm. that we're filing on our taxes because it means that we actually qualify for more on unemployment. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know what it's I mean? Ironic. So it's, it's like, I was talking to my tax yeah. guy and he's like, here's what we're going to do this year. And you're not going to like me at first. He's <laughs> like, but we're not going to use most of your deductions. And I'm like, oh no, why? He's like, this is why. And I was like, well, you know what? That's legitimate. And you're not working the system. You're actually doing it properly. But it's just like, holy moly. Yeah, I'm so glad thing. I don't have to try and figure it's all this out. It's a system itself that messes with <laughs> Like, it's like, it's, yeah, it should be easy, but it's not because they made all these rules yeah. and all this exception and it's get oh, yeah. complicated. Did you apply for the, the PPP and the SBA loan? I didn't do, so I still need to talk to my bank, uh, bank about my can. PPP. Yeah, I know. They extend to August. But not if, not if you file for unemployment. Mm, so if okay. you get the PPP loan, the, the payment protection plan, it offers, um, you know, X amount of money, but 10 weeks um, after the PPP for that first 10 weeks, you can't apply for unemployment if you're the business mm. owner. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, again, I need to look into it. There's so many different things. That I'm like, which is the best strategy, you know, because sure, sure. they're all different ways. And yeah, I think they approved me for something. But then again, I need to look into it. It's like, is it forgiven or is it just a low like low interest loan because low interest oh, yeah. i don't really need it you know it's just like why am i you know money? what though so so for low interest loans though it's like having the liquid assets available so like did you see i took out what is it huh did so you like an interest investment <laughs> well so like the ppp has like a one percent loan but it's mm -hmm, probably going to be completely forgiven right um i don't know i need to get one yes yeah ppp is one percent Yep, one percent, and know. it's probably gonna be forgiven, right? Yeah, but the, the SBA, it's it's like a, I think it's like a three point seven or something percent interest, but it's a thirty year fixed interest, and there's no penalties for an early payback. So oh. it's like you can apply for it, get it. It's like you know, cheap, tiny, mm -hmm. tiny pay, payback plan, right? And it's like having the liquid assets available means that you actually are in a position to be able to try and grow your business during the interim when you're not necessarily mm -hmm. making you know, the income you want. And that's something that I think a lot of people are going to struggle with is I think that things right now are far more stable than they're going to be. I think things are actually going to get far, far worse in the in the next, like, let's say six months. Me and, and you are willing to take cover risk. for 20 years. That's a different me yeah, and you are willing really to take risk. A lot of people don't know how to take risk and how to utilize that. Sure, you know? sure. But I'm not going to take that money and go buy a drone. No, right? no, no. Or, or go buy like, like, you know what I mean? I'm going to take the money and actually like develop the business. 
but, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Like if I can, maybe I need to do a podcast on business <laughs> for creatives. There you go. Right. Because like I would say, if I can get, if I know for sure that certain clients that I could get, if I have certain either technology or stuff or equipment okay. that I don't have, definitely instantly take the money, buy it, make that money back. You already make the money back instantly. Oh, yeah. Then why not? You know, some people don't even take that low risk, high reward situation. And that is something that's, frustrate me when they don't do it i'm like oh you have this thing i will do it if i could but i'm not you so oh i think there's a reasonable risk i think i think there's a reasonable level where it's like you will never be successful if you take no risks but there are certain things that are far 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 more risky and there's not nearly as much of a return mm -hmm. on that investment yep. so that's really what it is it's navigating on the the potential return on that investment and ensuring that the risk is worth it because there is always a chance that it will no pun yep. intended, blow up in your face though, you know, <laughs> maybe a slight pun intended there. Sorry. Do people ever yeah, say anything that you feel like that you can tell that they might fear that it offends you? Uh, you know, what's funny is I think I get offended far less than other people when, when people are being dumb about like the eye patch, but, uh, there was, there's, there's been a couple of people where I was just completely, completely just like. There's no way. There's no way they did not say that when they did. You know, um, I got off of, I think the one that comes to mind the most is just absolutely ridiculous. I was at Disneyland, right? Disneyland. And I got off of the Haunted Mansion ride. And the Disney employee looked at me and said, I think it was like, Yar, don't you think you'd be on the wrong ride? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> She said that. <laughs> it's like there's that's not okay. So so keep in mind, Sammy was a cast member. So I know, I the know rules. from from her telling me right how absolutely a big of a no no that was. I could have gone to guest services, and that chick probably would have gotten fired because that was completely unacceptable. The thing uh -huh. that scares me with like stuff like my disability, mm -hmm. most people that that say something stupid like that or comment or like, like I, the thing I get more often than I is people like, ah, oh, you be a pirate or yar, right? That kind uh -huh. of shit jokes on them. I actually like pirates. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, I can imagine if there was like, you know, somebody that was in the military or in, the, in, in, in some branch of, of the military, right. Uh -huh. Where they've got like, trauma like severe trauma ptsd they're very self-conscious about it whatever i'm not i i'm i'm really i'm kind of like for me there's there's only there's only an acceptance for it it's an mm -hmm. acceptance and it's like this is who i am so if people are curious about it i will share that as long as they're being respectful you know mm -hmm. and that's that's the big exciting factor for me i don't like when people are being super disrespectful mm. um naturally so but, <laughs> right right um, but the problem is a lot of people don't realize they're doing it, you know, mm. but when somebody is very, very self-conscious about something, and then you have some idiot who thinks it's okay to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the thing, because I guess the thing is, that's my inner like fight against bullies. I, I kind of look at those people that are doing that as like, they're picking on somebody. They're attacking mm -hmm. somebody, they're attacking somebody for something about them that is different than them. And that is first and foremost, the worst thing in the world to me. It's like, it's okay for you to be different than others. And it's okay for others to be different than you. You should never attack them about that because the moment you do that, what you're trying to do is make them feel worse so you feel Lower. better. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, that, to me, that to me is the, the, the biggest red flag of you being a piece of shit human is mm -hmm. when you're trying to make others feel 
worse so you feel better. Mm -hmm. Those people can go fuck off. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get a lot of cosplay suggestion then? Um, character every, single cosplay, every single cosplay where it's got one eye or wears an eye patch, yes. Yes. <laughs> that come up really, really often. I mean, then. That's, that's, think about it. That's uh, If you look at it, some of the costumes I've done, they've been those characters. So like doing Josh Brolin's Cable, for example, from Deadpool 2, mm. where it's just like, I remember seeing that and I was like, okay, I have to do that. Because I do actually resemble Josh Brolin a little bit. I've got I've got mm. more of an actual like strong jaw, mm. and then uh, the biggest difficulty with that costume, ironically enough, was the hair because I'm bald, right? Uh -huh. And so like Sammy, Sammy straight up handmade and did a whole ventilated wig. And the thing that was so fun about it though is it was the the hairpiece was glued to my head, but for the styling of it, we went to my friend's mom, who's like this really good stylist. And mm -hmm. for the first time, I lost my hair when I was like 21, maybe, right? Mm -hmm. So for the first time in like 12 years, I got a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> we glued it to my head. We went to her and she actually cut my hair. And it was, nice. it was an interesting process. I will say it was far more itchy than like I remember normal hair being. But we yeah. can't see. But that was that was a really interesting process. I wish we would have documented it better. You should was, have. That would be such an like interesting. I know. It would be such a cool I, video. I'll never ask Sammy to ventilate a wig like that again. You know what I mean? Because it was we're talking just probably a hundred hours of her sitting there just. <sighs> and so the thing about it is, oftentimes like we'll work together on stuff. She helps sand props all the time, and mm -hmm. then like. I try to help her with sewing, but I, I suck at it. So she's she's the black magician in the family with that one, right? <laughs> but I still try to help her when I can. So I cook food and stuff for her, right? When she's sewing. <laughs> but the thing about it is ventilating wigs. So so if 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 I had to say there's one thing that I will absolutely never, ever, ever be good at unless I get like a robot eye. It's ventilating wigs because I literally cannot see. Plus the depth perception, I'm just like, oh, I'm Nope. But yeah, so that's it's that so is much my repetitive small work, you know. I, I can't yeah. do it. I literally can't see it. It's <sighs> it's it's the only if there was one thing I had to say that I know I will not be able to do when it relates to costuming is that. Everything else I feel like I could eventually figure out and learn. That no. No. Maybe it's time for you to make a machine that does that for you. Touchy, right? Like like just like muscle memory. I don't think I'm gonna be able to do that. Uh, <laughs> it's not fun, don't worry. You you're not you're not missing out on anything. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Well, this has uh, been fun. This has been great. This has been a long yeah. chat too. I actually enjoy every moment of it. How, we covered so many topics. We this? have been streaming for like two hours. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's been nice. Pretty good, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, how can people right. find you? Oh, so if you guys want to find me, please. Uh, social media is at sign Hoku props on everything. Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, although I mean, you don't Facebook. use your Twitter enough. You need to use your Twitter more. I don't understand Twitter. Like Twitter There's to me is the wild best. And the problem is like, I don't want to go on there and upset people. And I think that's what Twitter's meant for. <laughs> but you're a prop maker, so all you have to do is that every time something cool comes to your mind, just post it. You don't have to think about it. Like maybe every time like, you, OMG, look at this cool thing. Right? Literally, you can even shit on the toilet, and they're literally doing shit posting. It's just like, oh, this is cool. Oh, this is what I'm thinking about. Wait, like, you, oh. want to, you want me to, to post on Twitter just when I'm shitting on the toilet? That could be a thing. Like, literally, that's a shit posting. Like, that is what people do on Twitter. A and it's widely okay. acceptable. 
I will make sure that the next time I'm on the toilet, I will shit post and tag you. <laughs> and I was like, huh, that's why, because Martin like, wanted me to. Person here, that was a fun interview with Martin Wong. <laughs> I miss his loud pants. I see, I don't even get to wear loud pants now because I don't have to with the cons. Okay, so here's the question. Are you wearing loud pants right now? No, because I'm not at a con. It's a part of my outfit. Are you wearing pants right now? Yes. <laughs> I have to check. Like, See? Yes. <laughs> See? You're still, you're still doing more than me because I'm just wearing shorts. <laughs> you got more you dressed know. up for this. Right. But yeah. <laughs> the whole, also, I'm going to talk oh, yeah. to you about it some other time, too. Find me. Also, I do yes. stream on Twitch, guys. Uh, I, oh, yes. I do a lot of streaming. Twitch. So if you guys uh, are interested in how I make costumes, please check me out there. We're also on YouTube. We do YouTube videos and instructions. We're working on a series for airbrushing right now. Uh, I feel like airbrushing is something very much missing from the cosplay community. There's plenty of people that use it, but there needs to be more. And so oh, if so you guys so want to kind of like, thank you. If you guys want to, if you guys want to learn about airbrushing, go there. We also do, we're, Sammy and I did a, a, a video series. We only did one episode so far, but it's called Behind the Ears. And it's actually like we strap a, I have a D, DJI auction or Action Osmo, and uh -huh. we have it mounted to uh, several of our Corgi's uh, harness. And so it's <laughs> perfectly positioned right behind his ears. So you get to see exactly what he's looking at. And it's such a <sighs> unique kind of experience for me even. So like I take him for the walk and we're recording this, but then when we're editing the video, we're like, that is what he was so interested by. Because we'll be walking and he'll just stop. We're like, what the hell do you want now? Like, what smells so interesting there? We have no idea. But through the through that that kind of view, it's such uh -huh. a different insight into the world. So yeah, behind the ears, difference. check it out. I will. It's, it's, I it's will. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, stay online with me and then I'm going to end the stream. Uh, we can talk a bit more on our little offline stream. But yeah. Anyway, thank you so right. much, everyone, for watching. You know, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be yes. here again on Thursday and... Not next week. Next week, I'm taking a break because I have to do a photo shoot safely. But the oh, week after, I'm doing again with uh, Modern Wong Chat. So um, thanks for dropping by, and I'll see y'all next time. Bye.